two, one. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. Yeah, I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right. All right, all right, all right. All right. Welcome, everybody. It is Wednesday, January 31st. We almost made it through the longest month of the year. I mean, my God. This January feels like it started 15 months ago. We're there. We've made it. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios. Cards fans, incubate, incubate your inner entrepreneur with UofL's top-ranked innovation MBA. In 12 months, gain the confidence and connections needed to spark your entrepreneurial spirit. Learn best practices from our award-winning faculty, serial entrepreneurs, venture, venture capitalists, and national business leaders while also competing for thousands of dollars in startup funding and business plan competitions. Start your journey today. Visit business.louisville.edu. We're on the air from 3.06 until 6. You're on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM. Streaming all over the land. You know what's better is the big X. Mike Rutherford is here. We got Trey Ryan producing the show once again behind the cement wall. We got Scooter Dingus, aka Justin Kalen, rocking the IU hoodie after a monumental win for the Hoosiers last night over the Iowa Hawkeyes. It was not a monumental win for the Louisville Cardinals over the Clemson Tigers, but another second half victory. Another fought hard. Another made things interesting. We'll talk about that. We got some coaching search rumors that are floating around out there. We got people now putting their names attached to some hot breaking news. We got the, the fan base still at each other's throats so over a guy who may not even be interested in the job and may not be a realistic candidate for a job that does not technically exist right now. All that good stuff to talk about for the next three hours. But first, Scoots, how are you? You look great. Thanks. I'm great. I am great. Yeah, I look great. I am great because I, I got an Indiana win last night. You mentioned it. I'm I'm feeling awesome today. A little tired. I, I was, I don't know, it was one of those days I woke up. I had a lot of energy to start. And then as the day wore on, I, I just, I've gotten more and more tired as the day's gone on. So typically it, how it goes. It probably didn't help that I watched the first half of the Louisville game. Mm. And that's really what kind of started my downslide of, of my energy here. So no, I, I'm okay though. I'm, I'm ready for what, three hours with you and then call it a day. You did miss all the fun then, if you didn't watch the second half. Yeah, I know. I meant to do it during my break between one and three, and just couldn't find time. It's okay. It's okay. How was the uh, the, the night outside of just IU triumph? I, I do want to get your thoughts on that. And watching one half of Louisville men's basketball just suck out loud against Clemson. I mean, other than that, I really didn't do anything. What was Gil I, up to? I pretty well went up to went up to about nine thirty and and went to bed. 
Gil was up to about five foot eight. <laughs> um, now he was, what was he? Oh, he, he does the nice thing now where even though he doesn't want to watch something, and this even includes Kentucky sports, which he's a Kentucky fan. Uh-huh. But even if I, like, if I want to watch something, he's, he's done the thing recently, probably within the last three, four months where he'll put it on the big TV. Oh, the big TV still a thing. The big t- he's got the big TV. I've got a slightly smaller TV, but the big TV is the centerpiece. Uh-huh. So he typically decides what goes on the big TV. But he knows if I want to watch something, he'll he'll be nice enough put it on the big TV. So he put the IU game on the big TV. So it was up to me to control the second TV, which was awesome. So guess, I watched a little bit of the Tennessee game, watched a little bit of the Villanova game. You guys very much have a like sports bar setup going there. Where it's like, hey, what do yeah. we want on TV one? Yeah. What can be the same? Like sometimes it's sports on TV two, but sometimes it's, I don't know, Will of Fortune. Well, and we each have a TV in our bedroom as well. My so, God. Four, I mean, we two could TVs set up per four man. TVs. Yeah. You have more TVs in your house than, than I do in mine, and we've got two adults and two children. Well, your children don't need TVs, in all fairness. Well, I mean, <laughs> you say that. Not telling you how to parent. But. You say that, and then you have a day like today where my daughter's just uh, just uh, push tyrant. My God. I mean, she they, they make her out of school for the meltdown. I mean, you came in and leaving. made a coffee. Yeah. That's, that's a big time. I didn't get much sleep last night. It's a, But, she, yeah, she's she just has meltdowns. And, like, you know, again, I, I said this yesterday. She's in, at the age now where you're like, all you have to do is just not – you don't have to be nice all the time. She's like, I'm not the nicest girl in the world. I'm like, you don't have to be – I'm like, <laughs> everybody has bad thoughts. Everybody gets angry. You just have to kind of take a deep breath and then just not say mean things. But I can't. I'm just a little girl. And then she's like – She'll sit there and she'll be like, ah, see, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm like, oh, my God. She's like, <laughs> she's going to be the worst teenager of all time. But she just, she flipped out. She was not having a good day. Uh, she did tell, when Mary was trying to talk to her, she did tell her that she just wanted to live with daddy and not mommy anymore. Whoa. Yeah, she, she does that. She I don't know where she learns these things. but does, we, Now, does that hurt your feelings as a parent? Or is that something the first you just seven let it roll t- off? The first, like, ten times it happened a little bit. But yeah. she just now, she's like, you're the meanest daddy in the world. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Like, just trying <laughs> to be calm. You're just overreacting. I mean, we tried everything with her. She's just, uh, yeah, she's, she's she's difficult for sure. But she calms down pretty quickly. You know, we've tried, like, the, you know, we tried, you know, we, we'll do timeout. We'll do the, the stern, like, yelling at. We'll do, like, the soft, kinder approach. And, like, it all kind of leads to the same place. And at some point, you just kind of have to, like, let her go. Like, let her calm down <laughs> for, like, ten minutes. And then she usually... She she gets back to it, but in those moments, there's just nothing you can do, and it's been it's been pretty bad. It's one of those days. Thank God we've got John, who's very mellow and and for the most part pretty pretty cool. But it was yeah, today was today's been a rough day. It was not not her best. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, I left her at school. <laughs> she like she had her backpack. She didn't put it up on the hook, and I and then, you know I, I very much like let her go in by herself and like let her do her own thing. Like she needs to get herself acclimated. Mm-hmm. Now she's getting she's getting older, and. All I hear is her teacher like, Virginia, you need to pick up your backpack, put it on the hook. She's like, it's too heavy. I'm just a little kid. I was like, oh, I, think so. I was like, good luck. Good luck to you all. Godspeed. Uh, but we did have, yeah, last night, thankfully, the kids went down early enough that we got to, uh, yeah, we, we had the big dilemma. Yeah. It was the Vanderpump Rules premiere. Yeah, how'd it go? Very, I mean, it was delightful. A fantastic premiere. So you watched it? We did, because we got the kids down Perfect timing, about 8.20, 8.25. Like I said. Yeah, and you, like you said, the 20 minutes had already expired, so you're able to fast-forward through the commercials. Yep. And there was a little bit of overlap, but thankfully, like the – I mean, not thankfully, but the, the – of course there was overlap with the ACC Network because ESPN has no idea how to stagger college basketball games despite having done this for 35 years. <laughs> Guess what? A 7 o'clock game, it ain't going to end right at 8.55 or 9 o'clock. It's going to go a little bit over. So 
know, the Louisville game was not on the network yet, so we were able to kind of you know, take that extra time and watch. And I watched the first couple of minutes on the phone while pulling double duty a little bit. So okay. it, it worked out okay. And and let's be real. Had, had a pretty good idea of how the Louisville game was going to go to, so I wasn't exactly overly emotionally invested in the first segment. Uh, but was able to watch, to do both. You mean the final result or how it actually played the out? First, the first, the opening segment of the game. I'm like, you know, oh, okay. back in the day, I was like, if I missed a dribble, I'm like losing my mind. Yeah. I've got to see every single second of every single game. And I still do, but it, it, like on a night like last night, if you know, Mary's very in, she wants to finish the show, I'm like, okay, like, yeah, I'm not going to go crazy about the fact that I can't watch the tip off of 6-14 and 14 Louisville versus Clemson. It's just a... It is what it is, but we the game after that, you know, it was. We'll get into it for the next three hours. We've got some coaching rumors to get to. We want to hear from you at five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. And I'm left here. I mean, again, I can't believe it's only the last day of January. It feels like it feels like we've been doing this since the show started. Basically, <laughs> like the same exact conversations, the same. Just hang in there. And it did strike me last night as I'm looking at the calendar and. And doing some other college basketball stuff for for freelance and you know looking around, it was exactly you know six weeks to the day from when Louisville season presumably will come to an end because six weeks from yesterday was the first day of the the ACC tournament. So there is a strong possibility that you know, people will say, "Hey, this this nightmare finally ends on whatever, March twelfth, and and we'll turn the page to whatever's next." And six weeks has never felt so far away because. I'm already tired of the the back and forths, the infighting, the rumors that are out there, people messaging me about I'm hearing this, people like, like national people messaging me, hey, are you hearing the same thing? And I'm like, I'm not hearing anything at this point. Like, like you, you hear a little bit from reliable sources every now and then, but it's very much the standard, hey, this agent of this coach is putting out feelers about if the job opens, my guy's interested. There's not, there's, there's not that much substantive going on right now. And if there is, it's not getting out. If Josh Hurd is having super-duper secret talks with somebody who's, you know, we're not discussing openly on the radio every damn day, he's not going to let it leak. And, and so the stuff that is out there, I feel like it's kind of, it's out there for a reason. We talked about the Muscleman thing. And it, it's fine. Like, it, it's good fodder for radio shows. It, it's a good way to spend three hours. And I know people want to eat it up. This is what people want to hear when they tune into the show and then when they tune into other shows. But it is tiresome. And to have six weeks left to do it is, it's already exhausting. The, the biggest possible example so far of where we are as a fan base, I mean, we've had three straight days of people just raking each other, uh, other over the coals over their stance on Chris Beard. And I mean, Chris Beard has come up on this show multiple times. Mm-hmm. We've had the same talks, and you know, we've, I've said the same things, and you know, I don't want Chris Beard, but... I can see where other people are coming from, and there's a pros and cons to be had. And at the end of the day, it's a discussion, it's a debate, it's a whatever over a guy who we don't even know if he's interested in the job, and we don't even know if if Josh is interested in giving the job. Well, and, and even if he gets, and the, the job's job, not even open right now. We don't even know if he'd do a good job. We don't. Yeah, there's so little that we know, and we're sitting here acting like this is a it's the fans' decision to make. If we come to a consensus that Chris Beard's the guy. We get to pick. Like, no, it's not the way that it works. So it, it's just, it, it's so much. It's, it's all this going on. It's a lot to deal with. And I'm, I, I'm struck now more than ever by the fact that this is, this is our first, assuming that it happens, because it has, it's not even officially a thing yet. But assuming that Kenny Payne is let go at the end of the season, 
this is sort of our first real coaching search as a fan base because you know there were reports back when from, from the moment the the first scandal not not the Karen Cipher one you have to get them in order here the the, the 2015 scandal from the moment that that hit the Katina Powell stuff there were rumors out there that hey if Patino does choose to step away, which was a, a big rumor, and I think a legitimate one. I think he was legitimately having conversations with Tom Jurch about it in the middle of that year. Chris Mack's going to be the guy. And I can tell you, I mean, he may say otherwise now, but like I had a conversation with Tom Jurich at the Music City Bowl that year, and he very much was like, if something, like, Mack's ready to take the job, and we're, we're good with that. So when the job did officially come open in 2018, like, every Louisville fan already kind of knew this guy's probably going to be the dude. Like, I don't know if you knew this. His wife was from Louisville. <laughs> and yeah, he was, he, what better time to have him? He just taken Xavier to their first number one seed of all time. A little bit of, of uh, failure in the NCAA tournament, losing in the second round. But it was okay because the year before he'd gone to the Elite Eight. And so it was a layup. The, the job was barely open before Chris Mack, we'd heard he would, had taken it and before it was uh, officially announced that he had taken it. And then when the Mack thing falls apart, before he's even let go, before or before the parting of ways even happens, there's all sorts of speculation that it's going to be Kenny Payne. And there's there's this big groundswell from the fan base and from big time donors. It's got to be Kenny Payne. It's got to be. Why are you not hiring Kenny Payne now? Who cares if it's Mike Pagese's job? Kenny Payne should be the coach right now. Get him in here. And it got to a point where when we finally got to the end of that season, you just sort of assumed it was going to be Kenny Payne, and that's exactly how it transpired. This time, there's no real front runner. Like, there's no, I mean, you can talk about Mick Cronin, which we will a little bit later. You can talk about Jerome Tang. You can talk about the names that have been circulating since before the season even started. But there's no, like, if you were putting odds on it, you don't have a runaway favorite. There's no, like, one to five favorite, like there, there has been the last couple of times. And that's going to cause all of us to sort of lose our minds a little bit. And I think that's where we are right now. And I think it's where you're seeing. And we've got six weeks left before this thing even, quote-unquote, really starts. Well, and what are the odds that we haven't even named the guy who it's going to be? It's certainly possible. Well, I mean, we... I mean, in our coaches' rumors. The, the royal we as, as a fan base, it's up there. But this show, I mean, we've named, I think, every coach possible. Yeah. We, I mean, we have a coaching search candidate of the day. We've probably, I mean, on, on the list of names we have right now, there's a solid chance that whoever the next head coach is is it's, on that list. Yeah. And if he's not, he's on like the, 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 the other list that we're talking about, which is the guys who are most likely... To take it in the same names we've been debating since like, like, like the summer. But I mean, would you be completely surprised if it wasn't like a? Let me throw out Cronin, Muscleman, Beard, or Tang. Are you are you going to be surprised if it's not one of them four? Because I wouldn't be. No, I, I nothing will. Or I feel like a lot of the fan base would be surprised if it's not one of those four guys. Here's the thing, though, is and Crawford kind of said the same thing on Twitter today. If there's a realistic candidate out there who is maybe eyeing the job and Josh is kind of eyeing him, but they want to keep it quiet because you want to keep these sort of things quiet, it's professional, it's the, it's the way to go. Like we probably haven't heard about it. Like you, you have, we had the guy texting every single day. Like why is Kelvin Sampson not a candidate? Why why is he not being talked about? We've had the guy texting about T.J. Osborne. Maybe they are. Maybe we just there's just nothing leaking because they don't feel like they need to to be posturing right now. Jerome Tang's agent's leaking him his name to like all the schools who may have possible openings because he's at it with the Kansas State brass. Like he's done with the situation there. He wants out. That's very clear. I think Mick has wanted the Louisville job since basically he was at Cincinnati. Like, like this has been he loves the area. 
He loved the school when he was coaching here. He was a graduate of the Virginia Rutherford, my mom, Lamaze class. He was a model student there. He loved that. Uh, and you know, I think he wants to be closer to his dad and his family. He's a big horse racing guy. I think, like he's every time there's been a possibility that the job would open, mix mix agent has been like, "Hey, Mick will take it." Uh, Musselman, kind of the same thing. He's I, there's stuff going down there at Arkansas. Maybe you've seen you know you've seen some stuff. Um, <laughs> there, there are reasons for for him to want to get out or to posture for uh, yet another raise from them. And and so it's obvious why some names are floating out there. And that's not to say that there may not be a big fish out there or a, a medium fish or a you know, below-the-radar fish that is just going to pop up and we'll start hearing stuff in mid-March for the first time. Like, hey, like kind of hearing that, that so-and-so is really interested in the job and, and then things will move quickly from there. I don't know how it's going to play out. I really and truly don't, but all I know is we've got like seven more weeks to do this. Six <laughs> more weeks with it being an actual season going on and then probably a little bit of time after that season ends before we hear who the coach is going to be or before we have a firm grasp on who it's going to be. feels like a Puxatani-Phil situation. It, it does. Like it could be six weeks, but you could get a little more. It, you, we, if he we sees have, his shadow. Speaking of Groundhog Day, uh, last night the Louisville men's basketball team, stop me if you've heard this before, gets itself into a big hole, nearly climbs all the way out of that hole, makes things interesting in the second half before ultimately falling yet again to another good ACC team that, that did not look great last night. Uh, I don't know how to talk about these games anymore because I don't want to just be the the super negative fan who completely glosses over the fact that Louisville ended the game last night on a 33-15 to run. They did it without the services of any real point guard. You have Tyler Johnson not playing because of an ankle injury. Percy Miller, we can talk about that a little bit later, very weird thing going on right now where he's seeking out-of-state medical consultation. This is two games in a row where that's been on the, the injury report. Not sure what's going on there. There's been no real update there. And, and if, if if recent history is any indication, we're not going to get a real update. And if it is, <laughs> we may not be willing to believe it. And then Sky Clark, early in the second half, suffers an, an apparent shoulder injury and can't play the rest of the game. So they've got no point guard. They're down to six scholarship players. Their entire front court's in foul trouble. And they still find a way to make a gigantic run and make things really, really dicey down the stretch against a Clemson team that has... Um, legitimate NCAA tournament hopes, and, and it's probably in the NCAA tournament as of right now. Having said that, like I, I, again, I don't want to just gloss over it. It's not like it wasn't an admirable effort and doesn't deserve some praise. They played hard. They fought. They did not quit. There's no question about that. And they had every reason to, to lie down and kind of let that thing get out of hand. Having said that, all parts of the game matter, right? Yep. You can't just focus on the fact that they ended the game on a 33-15 and 15 run while not also talking about why a 33-15 to run did not result in them winning the game. They dug themselves a 24-point hole because they, they played some atrocious offense. They played good enough defense, but when things started spiraling, uh, as they tend to do, they let a group of snow flurries become an avalanche, and all of a sudden a game that's been two points here, two points there, they're down by double figures at halftime, and they're down by 24 early in the second half. Like, they... They stopped defending for time periods. They let P.J. Hall do whatever he wanted to in the, in the paint. They made some silly decisions. And then Clemson, thankfully, looked to have no real interest in winning that game. Like, they did not want to put Louisville away. They may, I mean, they, you know, they're up like eight with a minute and a half to go. And, and you've got Hunter for them throwing a no-look-behind-the-back pass to nobody. <laughs> and I thought Brad Brownell was going to lose his mind. I mean, surely he 
beat home to the team. Like you can't lose to these guys again. It kept us out of the NCAA tournament last year. My God, you, you, you cannot let these guys knock you out of the NCAA tournament again this year. And here they are kind of showboating and not taking things seriously down the stretch and really let Louisville have a chance to win that game in the, the, the closing minute or so. So like, I, I was not overly impressed with Clemson. I have been pre- impressed with them at times when I've, I've watched them play earlier in the season, but they were better early in the season. They've, they've not been very good since ACC play started. P.J. Hall is a legit dude, but if you let him is coaching malpractice not to have your big guy draped over his left shoulder when he's got his back to the basket because he is his little right hand hook is lethal. He does not use his left hand that well. And we just let him do it all game. Jump hook, jump hook, jump hook, spin move layup, jump hook, jump hook, spin move layup. And when the game when we desperately needed to stop, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, who plays really hard and who's got every skill set imaginable, is just not in a solid defensive position. He lets him lets Hall catch the ball in a position of power, position of advantage and just take one step to his left and hit a little right-hand hook, and, and that was the kind of the dagger basket. How do you not let make him do anything else? He didn't shoot the ball that well last night, but he was like from, from outside, but he was dominant when he caught the ball in the post in, in a position in, uh, where he was advantageous and could just make a little like six, seven-foot hook shot. And it's, it's little stuff like that that drives you crazy if you're a Louisville fan. But, uh, you know, 6-15 and 15 now overall, 1-9 and nine in the ACC. The good news is the toughest part of the conference schedule is behind you. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I feel like I have to. I feel like I keep doing this. They won one game in the month of January. You cannot just gloss over that either. I don't care how difficult the schedule is. The ACC is not an extreme juggernaut this year of a conference. If you remember, I said they'd win zero in January. You did. I mean, we we went down the schedule and it was a very realistic possibility. And in fact, I mean, winning over Miami on the road was not really on my list of potential victories. Uh, Miami has not been great since then. Uh, they lost again, I think, last They lost to NC State last night. Uh, they, they're probably trending towards missing the NCAA tournament. But, yeah, to win one game in January against the best of a down ACC is still depressing. They also won one game in December, uh, and it was over Pepperdine. And that's a December schedule that included games against DePaul and Arkansas State and, and Pitt and, and you know, everybody else. So you've won one game in each of the last two months. It's depressing as hell. February, I do, I still think they're going to win a handful of games. And when I say a handful, I mean maybe three, maybe four. I think that it, with, with the types of effort we've been seeing against bad teams that have kind of quit on their season, I think Louisville can beat BC. I think they can beat Notre Dame. I think they can beat Syracuse at least one or two. Um, they may not be able to beat Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech beats North Carolina last night at home. Uh, Damon Stoudemire, tough break for you. It's your first year, so it doesn't count. That's <laughs> really, really tough break. We got Lamont Paris out there at South Carolina, who's in his second slash first year, and he's you know he's knocking off Tennessee and Kentucky in back to back games. Put him on the list. Put him on the list. That's another guy. Put him he, on the list. Would, do you think he'd leave South Carolina for Louisville? If he's smart, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that came up on Spears today. TJ hosted for Spears, and yeah, I just I don't know if he would. I think he would. He's, I mean, it's South Carolina. He he's a he's an Ohio guy. He's from this part of the air, part of the world. He knows how much basketball means to Louisville, uh, Lamont. I mean, if it's South Carolina, when has South Carolina ever had a really sustained run of success? Like yeah. they just they don't care as much as we do. They they're a good fan base. It's a tough environment when they're good, but when they're not, they they're they're really bad. Frank Martin goes there after you know going to a. You know, he, he took them to a Final Four and then still couldn't win at a high enough level to 
not get fired a few years later. Like it's just it's a tough place to win for it, for for most people. Is South Carolina the number two school in terms of biggest discrepancy between women's and men's programs? Uh, probably right now. I mean, who's number one in your eyes? Seriously, I mean, you're not saying UConn. No, Tennessee. LSU, uh, maybe, maybe look Baylor, in, maybe look in the mirror a little bit, pal. Oh, Louisville. <laughs> well, but I mean, all time. I, I thought you meant like historically. No, like, like, like right, right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Louisville is, but the, you know, it's not like the women's teams in the top ten or anything. Like historically, they're, they're, who they're do you good. Think, who do you think would be the top? The biggest discrepancy, mm-hmm. probably Tennessee women's and Tennessee men's. Honestly, I mean, Tennessee men's that's, have been, yeah, have been good. good. Answer. Yeah. They've never been to a final four. The women have won like thirty six national titles or whatever. I mean, now the, the the court that both teams play on is named after the women's coach. That should go yeah. ahead and tell you all you need to know. You could maybe throw Kentucky in there too, though. But it would just be oh, between, op- like, opposite. I, I was thinking like one that has like women's yeah. over yeah, men's. Yeah, yeah. Louisiana Tech would probably be way up there because at one point in time they were like the the first or second best program in. A, all of women's college basketball, and they've never been close to that in the men on the men's side. But yeah, if we're talking just the the other way, the flip side, Kentucky and men's and, and women's probably they might be the answer there. Uh, but so, Lamont Paris, yeah, put him on the list. Why not put put him <laughs> on the list? The, 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 uh, outside of that, I mean, the game. I think you have to give a tip of the cap to Trey White, who yeah. twenty nine points, fourteen rebounds. He really, if you're looking at the reason why Louisville was able to make that a game, it's it's basically his play. You know, and Kenny Bain comes out after the game. He's like, this is the guy that we thought we were going to get. I'm like, well, don't put too much pressure on him. That's, that's, a, that's a lot of pressure that he can do that every single time out. I but, mean, that's what I was thinking, too, though. 29 well, and 14. He was finally the player you thought you were getting out of Bortle. I, I mean, 29 and 14 is something that had only been done three times in the history of Louisville basketball before last night. Really? And it had only been done one time in a non-overtime game. Uh, Wes Unseld, Samardo Samuels, and Shane Bahannon were the only other three Cardinals to produce that stat line. Uh, in a game, so props to Trey White for making a little bit of history. I mean, I, I was somebody who thought Trey White was going to be good. I would have probably pegged him as the leading scorer on this or second leading scorer on this team going into the year, and he has not been what we thought he was going to be. Especially when you started hearing the summer reports of like this guy's been the best player on the team, and you got people who are calling games during like the the red white the exhibition season, saying like openly predicting he's going to be your leading scorer this year. Like that, that's what's going to happen, and he's been. He's had moments, but he certainly has not been a consistently good performer for this team. And Kenny Payne comes out last night and says, this is kind of the guy who we thought we were going to get. Um, Payne said a couple of other things after the game as well that deserve a little bit of attention. Uh, we'll talk about that. We, If you have belated thoughts on the game or anything else, hit us up at 502-414-1450. We'll talk about the latest rumors that are out there with regards to the coaching search. I mean, again, some... Blue check mark journalists are putting their name behind some reports, and, and we'll talk about why they may be doing that and what they're saying. We'll get to all that coming up after the break. It's the Wednesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and I was a big fan of this song. Because nobody came. 
Um, and I, I, this was like not my type of music growing up, but like this was one that was, I think like, it kind of crossed across all genres. Like yeah. I, everyone liked this song for a brief period. That's how a lot of that music was in the like early 2000s. I feel like it, it crossed a lot of yeah. genres. But you know, then you get older and you hear this. It's, just, it's such a, it just sounds so like, I become another casualty of society. It's like, yeah. We've discussed it before, but very nasally. Yeah, as, as I'm driving around in my Chevy Lumina to go to Tinseltown and watch a movie, you're never going to get me down, society. <laughs> never going to fall in line. It just come on. But shout out to Sum 41. And the, the, the guy ended up, um, they all, like, two of them married somebody famous. I feel like we've had this discussion on the show before. Hmm. You know, one of the, the lead singer, I think, married the Avril Lavigne, and they Good broke for up. Him. And then the other, like, another guy married somebody, like, really famous. I can't remember. Anyway, it's a good song. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton Sex Line. We'll get your thoughts in just a moment. But I do want to talk about after the game last night, uh, which was a 70-60. to 60, I don't even think I've mentioned the score yet. A 70-64 to 64 loss for Louisville on, on the road against Clemson. Uh, remaining one of just two places Louisville has never won since joining the ACC in 2014-15. Kenny Payne talked to the media, answered some questions. In his opening statement, he talked about how proud he was of the effort. And he sort of acknowledged that people have been upset with him for not being down enough after losses, probably most famously people taking issue with the fact that after every loss he's he's laughing in the handshake line and kind of dapping it up with the opposing coach and looking like he doesn't really care that much, which is, is I mean, we talked about on this show. It's, it's, it's a little thing, but it has frustrated me consistently, especially when we're sitting here and you've won 10 games in two years. It's, it's like, I know this matters to you. I still want you to to show that it matters to you and show that you're just as upset as the rest of us, that we just keep losing games. Uh, and he comes out last night in his opening statement and says, I'm proud of my guys. I know people will want us to be down because of the loss, but at the end of the day, I saw five guys fighting with everything they had to win the game. We shot two of 20 from three. I don't care. We fought. We out-rebounded them by, tw- by 19. That's one of the big, toughest teams, most physical teams in the league. Um he just goes on to talk about how proud he is. There's another answer later on in the press conference where he's talking about, you know, the fact that they lost the game and, and you know, he should be upset about it. And he, he just he can't bring himself to be mad at this team because they fought so hard. And I understand, and maybe I'm being too hard here at this point, because at this point, who cares? Like, you know, it's, it feels like we're going the same direction regardless of what we think about these little things. But. I'm fine with having this mentality if if the record's flipped and Louisville's, I don't know, 15-6 and six right now, flirting with an NCAA tournament berth, and he's like, you know, we lost this game on the road to a good Clemson team, but my God, we, we, we lost our point guard. We didn't have another point guard to play. We lost, our, our front court was in foul trouble for the entire game. We played Danilo at the five for an extended period of time, for God's sake. Like, we shot, it was a bad shooting night. Bad shooting nights happen. We almost won the game. I'm proud of my guys. I'm fine with that message if you're having a great year. And this is a, this has been a, like, you know, you fought the entire year to get to the point where you are. Nobody wants to hear it right now at 5 and 16. You, you've won one game away from home in almost two years. You're 3 and 27 in the ACC. Clemson's a fine team. They're probably going to go to the NCAA tournament. They look terrible last night nobody wants to hear about the fight you lost again you're you know we're trending towards like the second worst season that any of us have ever seen behind only last year so it's fine to praise your team's fight 
but I, I think we all would like to hear a little bit of, I'm pretty pissed off that we didn't win the game. Like, I, I'm sick. I don't like the fact that we dug ourselves a 24 point hole. The 24 point hole, by the way, was dug before you were without a point guard, before you had some other stuff pile up and you had to play Danilo at the five. Like, there was no excuse to be that bad. And going two of 20 from three, it's also not something that you can just shrug off. Like, two of 20 from three implies bad shot selection, some four shots. You know, they had, I know they fought. They had no assists in the first half. They didn't have their first assist in the game until six minutes into the second didn't half. Didn't they only have four? They only they finished with four assists for the game. Yeah, that's pathetic. It was a lot of, hey, two-man game, pick and roll, ISO, I'm going one-on-one. Like That was the entire offense. And in defense of Trey White, he kind of had to do it in the second half because nobody else was making shots and, and he was the hot hand. But... For most of the first half, it was just me, me, me basketball. Mike James is making some reckless drives to the basket. Curtis Williams is hunting for shots when he's in there. Sky Clark wasn't playing very well on offense. They tried to get the ball to, to Brandon Huntley Hatfield on the block as much as they could. He was forcing it a little bit against P.J. Hall. He also had his own foul trouble, so his his minutes were limited. It was just bad offense for the most part. It wasn't just a, hey, we're getting great looks out of this, this, this set. We're getting the shot that we want. We're just not knocking it down. It was we're forcing a bunch of outside shots because we're playing from behind. And we're not running any offense, so like, I, I, that's not something you can just shrug off and say like, well, we we fought. A-. The fight's great. It does not excuse the parts of the game where it seemed like you, you kind of didn't fight as much as you were in in the last ten minutes, and when you just were playing bad basketball. At some point, this just isn't enough. And uh, I mean, honestly, that point is like very early in your first season, not towards the tail end of your second season. So. Um, first season, you mean? No, no, I don't. I, 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 I don't. I, I just don't. By the way, I'm sitting here thinking, is Kenny Payne the easiest coach to play for? I mean, all you got to do is just try hard, do do a few things throughout the game, and he gives a press conference like that. I'm proud of my team. They fought hard. Sweet. It's why I think when people talk about how things will get better under Payne and how it's a slow rebuilding process and stuff, I always try to play the game like, can I envision this person Five years down the line, ten years down from the line, talking about leading Louisville to a national title, and when you have this mentality, like, no, I, I can't. I, I'm like, you try to think about the biggest names in coaching right now, like the Bill Selfs, the Danny Hurleys, Tom Izzo, like these guys that have won titles before and that are still competing for titles. Imagine you have this type of loss in the midst of this type of season. Are any of them coming out and being like, I can't get mad about this? It, it's okay. We lost, and it's not like it's it's you know number one Duke. It, it's it's an, an unranked Clemson team on the road. Like, just imagine if Fran McCaffrey's in this spot. What kind of press conference he giving? Fran McCaffrey be dead already. Like he 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 can't make it through. Two he avoided like a technical last night. Did he? Good yeah. for him. Yeah. Didn't even come close. Really. Real quick aside, your boys last night they were up by what seventeen, and then yeah, kind of blew thought, it. Thought we were gonna boat race them. Kind of blew it a little bit late. Is still still get the win. The win's the most important thing. Yeah, but we also had a lot of injuries. Xavier Johnson, I saw going down. He's probably done for the year with that the way he ugly. reacted. Malik Renew also got hurt early oh, in the game. That. Yeah, he got hurt in like the two three minute mark. So yeah, not good. And you've had at separate points, Trey Galloway, Khalil Ware were both hobbled on their ankles. So. Yeah, we, we could be done. We we just can't avoid the injury bug. No. And the good news is you did move up to 88 on Ken Palm. Hey, uh, one spot behind Yale. Come on. There you go. One spot ahead of Samford. Samford's 18-3, and three, though. Samford? Samford. No shame in that. Scott Padgett coached that once. 
Uh, Louisville, with its loss, but a narrow loss, did move up on Ken Palm. Nice. Jumped from 207 to 198. Good movement. One spot ahead of Fresno State. One spot behind Illinois Chicago. Two spots behind Archie Miller in Rhode Island. Your boy. Jeez. He's horrible. Yeah, they're, they're having a rough run. I'm surprised, too. I, again, I know we're taking a quick left turn here. I thought Archie Miller would kill it at IU. And when it failed, I kind of was like, yeah, you know, IU's just, it's, it's a tough job. The rumor with both Millers had always been they wanted to coach at football first programs. Like Ohio State was, was Archie's dream job because they wanted to kind of have things their way and be able to slow build in seasons. And if they lost a game in November that they weren't supposed to lose, they didn't want to be at a place that could be fully focused on that because they would still be talking about football. Like, mm-hmm. That's kind of the job that they wanted. And he took the exact opposite of that with Indiana, where <laughs> it's it's basketball 365 days a year. And so when it didn't work out, I kind of was like, eh, I think it was just the wrong fit. Like, he'll go somewhere else and win. And he has sucked out loud at Rhode Island. Yeah. He's I'm starting to think maybe he just isn't a very good coach. Maybe Dayton's a easier place to win than we think. He's Haven't too it? small. Nobody respects him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The haircut's just not helping anybody. <laughs> Dayton's having a good year, though, this year. I think that's a, it's the job. Dayton's a good job. Easy to win there. Shout out to Anthony Grant, making it happen for a second time. They in the A10. They are in the A10. They've got a potential All-American, Deron Holmes. They're they're very good this year. Seventeen and three, seven and one overall, top twenty in the country. They couldn't get past the Spiders. This they weekend. did lose the Spiders on Saturday, but they bounced back last night with a nice uh, twenty-two point win over George Washington. But uh, back to Louisville. I don't know what we take away from this outside of it's cool that they're still fighting. It certainly is not like a. They're going to lay down and lose all these games by 30. I still think that we're going to win some games the next month. But it should not be enough to save Kenny Payne's job. I mean, we're 6-15. and 15. We're, one in, we're halfway through the conference season. We're 1-9. and nine. We talked about this team winning like 13, 14, 15, 16 games. They're basically going to have to be perfect if that's going to – and like I was talking about that preseason in terms of like I don't think it's going to be good enough to give him a third year. At least it shouldn't be good enough. But I do think that they're going to win, I think, between like 13 and 17 games. I thought you said 14 and 16, yeah. Maybe, you know, somewhere around there. Like I, I think the, the window narrowed, depending on my feelings, on, <laughs> on that particular day. But like I really did. Like I, I, thought, and I didn't think that that was expecting too much. I mean, you had some people out there saying they're going to win 25 games, 20 games. Like, look at this talent. Look at Sky Clark's a former five-star. Huntley Hatfield's a former five-star. Trey White, all Pac-12 freshmen. Like, we've got dudes. And then, you know, top five recruiting class. Trenton Flowers coming in. Freshman All-American. And you know, then you know, some things have happened, which have not helped. Dennis Evans not being able to play, Trenton Flowers leaving the team, Trainer getting hurt. It's still not an excuse for this to be that bad because when we were near full strength, we were even worse than we are now. So it's uh, you know, that that excuse doesn't really hold a lot of weight. But the fact that we're six and fifteen, and we're talking about the ceiling for this team, hey, if they, they you know they get hot in February, they could be ten and twenty one going to the conference tournament is just shockingly bad. But We've been shockingly bad for a while now. That's wild. You all can win 10 straight and be one game over 500. If we if we <laughs> won out for the regular season, we would go into the conference tournament 16 and 15 overall and with an 11 and 9 record in the ACC and still, I mean, have no shot of going to the NCAA tournament <laughs> unless we won the conference tournament. Um, I, I stand by my, my prediction. This is not a Mike Rutherford guarantee. Do not write this down. I think they're going to win a game in the conference tournament. I really do. I really do. Like because it would be so perfect for what Louisville fans have been through for the last, like, not even the last two years, like the last, like, five, six, seven years, every time we think something's going to happen a certain way, it doesn't. 
And so we're all going to do this thing on March 12th. Louisville's going to be probably the 15 seed playing the 4 o'clock game for a second straight year. That'll be nice. We get a little day off work. That'll be, <laughs> won't hate it. And we're all going to be like, here we go. Happy KP fire day. Happy last day of KP and all this stuff. And they're going to go out there and they're going to beat BC by like 13. And we're going to be like, well, this is kind of awkward. And we're going to have to do this whole thing again the next day. I can see it. Which I wouldn't hate getting on a little run. We could miss some work. That'd be fine. That, that you know, give us a couple of extra days off in March. Never, never a bad thing. Wouldn't have to talk about it. That would be fine. Uh, but it would be it'd be the funniest thing ever if they played their way to like the quarterfinals on Thursday, and everyone is just waiting to fire this guy. Everyone's just foaming at the mouth to turn the page, and he just refuses to let it happen. I, I think it's I, I I I'm saying it right now. They're going to win one game in the conference tournament at least. It's going to happen, and we're all just going to have to sit on our hands for another 24 hours. Um, the the coaching search stuff that's out there. It is, we're starting to get now some people that are quote unquote professional writers that are putting their names behind reports. And yeah, I mentioned earlier this week, the, the Eric Musselman stuff. I'm like, I'm calling it. It's people are going to start leaking out that Musselman's interested and that the, the interest is being reciprocated by Louisville because he's having a bad year and he wants to make sure that he's at the very least got job security in Fayetteville, that they re- respect him and appreciate him and realize, Hey, if you don't want me, somebody bigger and better does. And it kind of has happened a little bit this week. You, you had the rivals guy for Arkansas sort of putting it out there that, Hey, I'm hearing Louisville wants must and must kind of wants to go to Louisville and we may have to work to keep him. And, you know, reports on the Arkansas rivals board saying LLS is telling people that, that Musselman's going to take the Louisville job. Well, now you have the opposite happening down there. You've got Jacob Davis, who writes for the the Sports Illustrated Arkansas site. We, you know, we have Matt McGavick, who I think is going to be in here on Friday, who does Louisville Report, which is the, the Sports Illustrated Louisville site. This is basically the Arkansas equivalent of that. So he's got a little bit of gusto behind his name. And he tweets out this afternoon, according to a source, Louisville is targeting UCLA's Mick Cronin whose buyout will lower to 16 mil on April 1st. And if a move if a move is made to terminate Kenny Payne, the other options are Chris Beard and Jerome Tang. Very much kind of trying to counteract the, hey, Musselman's a candidate for this job report that's out there, which is hilarious. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but people are kind of pulling and pushing and pulling both ways. It does maybe shed some light on a power struggle where Musselman wants out because of situations down there that he feels like are are not great that he kind of wants to run away from and Arkansas maybe planning some stuff and being like, Hey, we're not going to let you, you're not going to, you're not going to weasel your way out of this. We're going to put out, if you want to put out a report that you're a candidate for the Louisville job to try to get the fans behind you, we're going to put out a report that you're not a candidate for the Louisville job. And so I don't know what's going on down there, but it is the fact that he puts out the other options are Chris Beard and Jerome Tang as if it's some sort of like big report just leads me to believe that this is not a legitimate thing. Uh, because those are the names that have always been out there. And the fact that you could say who Louisville's going after on January 31st with any degree of this much confidence and that there are no other candidates out there, uh, I, I think is wild. Louisville going after Mick Cronin kind of flies in the face of, of what we've heard recently, but who knows? I mean, I, I think Mick would want the job. I think they there's no way Louisville can afford that $16 million buyout. I don't care if it lowers to $16 million on April 1st. We can't afford to. You know, Kenny Payne's buyout would drop to six mil. That's still you're losing a ton of money if you're so paying. So Louisville has to pay that buyout. Louisville would have to pay six million dollars to Kenny Payne. Well, I know that, but they'd then have to pay Musselman's too. Sixteen to, to Cronin, or, or Cronin, yeah. Just to like 
have a chance to give him a contract where you're paying him more money to take the job. Now, the thought process here, I'm sure, is that Cronin would work with you and get a a contract that would work, and you know, he'd take less money at the beginning just because he wants the job so badly. And the reports that I've heard with Cronin have all been about people trying to find a loophole in that contract because the buyout is outrageous, and he just signed it last year. But there is apparently a loophole because UCLA is moving from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten that could wipe out the buyout or, or diminish it dramatically. So I've got no idea if that's true. But that would have to be the case, I think, for this to make sense for Louisville financially because while I think Mick Cronin has done a great job at UCLA, and I think that I, I think he'd do a better job here than a lot of people seem to believe, he's not this can't miss, like we've got to have this guy – you know he's he's the the Urban Meyer of college football. Like he's just gonna crush it. He's Jay Wright. Like like he doesn't have that type of support, and I don't think that there's that type of belief in his abilities. So if you're shelling out this type of money, it would have to be for a Rick Pitino type figure in 2001, and I don't think Louisville's in that place. But this is a we're now getting reports out there from people. It's getting more and more serious, and and it's just like the ridiculousness is only going to continue. It's gonna get so bad to the point where. At least one of these names that we're talking about as a realistic candidate, we've been talking about Dusty May, Jerome Tang, Mick Cronin, Eric Musselman, all of these guys, at least one of them is going to come out, I think, before March and say definitively, I love where I am. I'm not going anywhere. Like, and, you know, I'm not a candidate for any other job. Not just I, I like my job. I'm here for right now. I'm focused on this team. It's going to go a step beyond that where they're like, I'm not taking another job because this stuff's not slowing down anytime soon this is what this is all Louisville fans care about right now we, you know, we, we talked about Clemson for like 20 minutes there nobody cares about the Clemson game really are you surprised no coaches have already come out and done that not really because it's so it's so early in the process but I, th- I think you're gonna yeah, have I mean you could still I mean I'm sure those guys are here in the scuttlebutt yeah but the scuttlebutt is for the most part right now is limited to this area like we talk about this every day. That's true. And it comes up every now and then as like an aside on a national podcast, like with, with you know Norlander and Parrish or you know, Phil of sixty eight with Jeff Goodman and those guys. Like they'll you know they'll kind of throw out candidates for the job, but it's not like you're you're not getting two thousand word reports by someone at Sports Illustrated, like the real Sports Illustrated, or you know somebody at CBS, like putting it in ink that I think Mick Cronin's going to take the job and Louisville wants him and he wants them. When that starts happening. I think then you'll have to get some people who are like, I'm, a, I'm not a candidate. I, I want, I'm staying put. But until then, it's. I think people will just kind of say, hey, like we've got six weeks of basketball left to go. Hopefully, more than that, and we're focused on our team right now. Um, and like, I mean, like you said earlier, I think there's a very realistic possibility that there's a name that we're not really discussing who hasn't been popping up on any of these big boards or anything like that. Who just, hey, come March eighth or whatever, all of a sudden people are hearing scuttle that. He's he's a candidate for the job. I mean, we haven't talked much about Nate Oates. I know he's got a big buyout, but it's not as big as Mick Cronin's. And like, I, he would seem to be a very re- realistic candidate for the job. He's yeah, a, the talk has simmered down on him. This, yeah, I, he was big in, at first. He's not being talked realized, about at all. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think he plays an exciting brand of basketball. Maybe it's because Alabama isn't having the type of year that some people thought they were going to. The metrics love them, but they're not. You know, they they haven't been ranked in the top ten, top fifteen for most of this year. But, you know, he's a guy who plays an exciting brand of basketball, had a number one overall seed last year. Uh, he's at a school that historically has not emphasized basketball the way that Louisville does. You would think that making a move from, from Alabama to Louisville would be a step up for him, but he has not. Uh, he's not really come up. I mean, Nato's the guy the Kentucky fans were talking about we would trade Calipari for today when they were playing them last year, 
and he hasn't really come up. But um, until we start getting definitive statements, until we start getting definitive reports from legit sources, we're going to be stuck here debating the the morality of hiring guys like Chris Beard and Will Wade and you know what McCronin brings to the table and what he doesn't bring to the table and it's going to be stuff like this that continues to happen, which is, you know, it's it, it's it, it's fun to a point, but at some point, like you, you stare down the calendar and you're like, can we really do this for another month and a half? I guess we can because we've kind of been doing it <laughs> since before the season even started. Man, going back to the Millers, it, Alabama's the perfect place for them, right? For who? For Archie or Sean, whoever? Oh yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, if they want to be at a program where football overshadows them, they're no both bigger gonna, place than Alabama. They're both gonna have to start winning again at some point That's, if they want to get yeah, bigger jobs. Because good call. Archie hasn't won at all at Rhode Island, and Sean had a really good year last year, but they're Xavier's bad this year. Um, you know, the, I, I say bad as if they're like terrible. Like they're, they're they're ten and ten. We would kill to be ten and ten right <laughs> now. But speaking of teams that are bad, did you see how the DePaul game ended last night? I didn't. So, DePaul scored 39 points last night. I did see their score. DePaul, by the way, right now, 291 on Ken Palm. That is one spot lower than we finished last season. There's a very real chance that DePaul finishes uh, lower on Ken Palm and in all these these analytics uh, than we did a year ago, which would be funny because they actually beat us this season by seven points. (laughs) But they lost to Seton Hall 72-39 to last night at home. And the game ended, it was like the final minute, like they're trying to run the clock out. And Seton Hall missed the front end of a one and one, and the DePaul player rebounded it. Had no idea that it was a one and one. Like just rebounded, just like stood around and just like tossed it to the ref, which he threw the ball out of bounds and gave it right back to Seton Hall. Yeah. One of the funniest things I've ever seen. Oh my gosh! Like just zero recognition at all of what was going on. Just completely checked out. I mean, you've got people out there talking about is DePaul the worst power conference team that we've ever seen. And like they led us from start to finish, and we lost by seven. We could have lost by sixteen easily in that game. Uh, it is hilarious. Their only other two wins this season uh, over South Dakota, who is three nineteen on Ken Palm, and over Chicago State, who historically has been like the worst power conference program, or not power conference, but Division one program in all of college basketball, and is two ninety three on Ken Palm. And then us. I mean, it's it's funny that you bring that up because I immediately go back to a scenario that played out earlier this season with Louisville. I can't remember who it was that got the rebound. I think it was Huntley Hatfield got a rebound. And then either Mike James or or Sky Clark were on the floor. They had fallen down. They were laying on their back. And Huntley had – I don't even want to say it was Huntley Hatfield. But whoever grabbed the rebound for Louisville took the rebound and threw it to to the player who was on his back on the ground. Like, what are you doing? I don't even remember this, but I'm sure I've repressed it. I'm sure it happened. I believe it. I just I'll never forget that. I was like, what are we doing here? Yeah, well, that's that's that, that's who we are. It's what we do. Um God, yeah, it's it's, it's a wild night in college basketball overall, by the way. Oh yeah. Last night. It was a bunch a of lot tough, of fun. A lot of fun. I mean, again, fun for everybody else who actually is, feels like they're a part of the sport right now. I mean, now. even if you take yourself out of your team and I mean that like North Carolina, Georgia Tech ending was a lot of fun. You had South Carolina beating Tennessee. Yeah, I mean that's that's just fun for college basketball fans. Marquette came back to beat Nova. Uh, TCU did take care of Texas Tech at home. Um, who was the other? There was one other game that was decent last night. I can't remember what it was. I mean, you had, it's it's the time of the year. Like you know, football's coming to an end. You, all you have is the Super Bowl left. It's college basketball show. March Madness is the next big thing after the Super Bowl. This is when people start paying attention. Let's go. And it's uh, it's no fun to not really be a part of it. But hopefully, six weeks from today, we're turning the page to whatever's next. We'll take thoughts from you guys after the break. It's the four o'clock hour. Uh, We'll hear from you at 502-414-1450. Text in those thoughts now. 
We'll read them on the radio for you. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. Hour number two here of the final January edition, at least January 2024 edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, unless you know something that uh, that we don't. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be back next January. It is a leap year. Maybe they moved it to January. God, of course this would be a leap year. <laughs> of course it would be. Just trying to, to count down the days until March 12th or March 13th or whenever, and it's uh, one extra one this year. It's fine. Final day of January here on the Mike Rutherford Show, final four o'clock hour of January here on the Mike Rutherford Show. we got Trey Ryan producing the show. we got Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, back here again going with coffee today. Little, 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 yeah, you inspired me. A little extra jolt today. I, I need a little extra jolt. I drink like five, six cup of coffee a year. So when I drink one, it makes me go bananas. I'll be bouncing off the walls here in a minute. Can't you wait. won't be able to stop me. Can't wait. Um, you, I mean, you, you are doing the kind of thing. Trevor would always do the thing where he would be like so like just – uh, like Eeyore for the first like two hours of the show, and then he would get coffee at like five fifteen and be very energetic for the last segment of the, of the show. And I'm like, wait, why didn't you just do this at three? What are you doing? Uh, but dude, I did have Mountain Dew, but it's just not not cutting it today. I've not had Mountain Dew in forever. So good. I gave up sodas after like college. Mm-hmm. There was a point in time in in college where like Mountain Dew was almost as valuable as beer. Like I would come back with like a case of Mountain Dew from home, and it was just like oh, it was incredible. You don't even do like the zeros now. No. Mountain Dew Zero is really good. I'll drink like Gatorade Zero. That's it. Gatorade Zero is awesome. No soft drinks. I, I cannot drink regular Gatorade after we're drinking the Zeros. I, I mean, kids these days now are so like you know, if you're if you're at Trinity or Saint X or Ballard or Mail and you're playing basketball now at lunch, you have to have like you're eating like a salad and you're having like a water and you're you're you get the little canteen of water that you're carrying around everywhere to stay hydrated. You know, back in the day, like I mean, before every baseball game I ever played at lunch, I had like a Mountain Dew. Like a, a Snickers Crunch Bar, like that was like my, my pregame snack was just soda and candy, and, and, and like we 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 competed on that. A few Cheetos. I mean, nobody was ever telling us to drink water back in the day. Like, <laughs> like drinking water is a is such a new thing. Like now, and everyone's just carrying. I do it. I'm drinking water constantly. I'm peeing constantly. But back in the day, no one ever told us that we needed to be properly hydrated. It was just like, hey, get this, you know, get this soda down your your gullet. I saw a video on Instagram last night of a guy. He was coming home to his wife. She's got, of course, her water cup sitting there on the counter. But he walks in with a, a five-gallon bucket, and it had the lid and a straw coming out of it. And he goes, here you go. I got you a new water Big cup. Big dumb cup. And she just lost it. Yeah, it's a, it's a new thing. But yeah, it's I, I guess it works. I guess it's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> Imagine somebody carrying around a five-gallon bucket. It's, it's something. <laughs> I mean, I, sometimes I feel like I do. Like when I see these people with like, their gigantic canteens. Yeah, there's some I'm big like, ones, Good Lord. Yeah. 502-414-1450. Here we go. Uh, Texture says, Lamont Paris checks a lot of boxes. He does. He does. I'm all for it. Texas, it's a great week for Scoots being an Indiana fan. Besides beating Iowa last night, his favorite Hoosier of all time, Dan Dockich, is back on the air on sports radio in Indianapolis. I know he can't wait to listen between KRC and your show. I, did not, I did not know Dockich was back. He, he's, oh, wait, so he was doing the outkick thing, so he's back on the fan now, I guess? I, guess, I have no idea. Hmm. Interesting. I, I don't pay attention. I did enjoy anymore. his show back in the day. When I was in like, college, I enjoyed his show, but now he's the way he carries himself online, he's, he's such a tool. 
He's just trying too hard. It's he not is. really working. He's trying to be a Clay Travis, and he's kind of failing yeah. miserably. Yep. Where it's just like, oh, he, that's why he went to work for Outkick. I he's guess. like ESPN. His coverage just sucks since me. He has these tweets, and it's like, oh, you've got three likes and like four views. Nobody, <laughs> nobody cares about what you're doing right now. I had no idea he was back on the radio. Me neither. Texter says, uh, "Oh, Mike, I woke up this morning and the sun finally peeked through the clouds." I'm wondering if today was indeed the day, but as fast as my optimism had risen, the clouds slowly came back and realized that indeed Kenny Payne was still the head coach of the Louisville basketball program. He's not going to get fired before the end of the season, right? Like, I mean, and that's not like inside info. It's just common sense at this point. They've yeah. kept him around. We've got six weeks left. What good does does it do to fire him in February? If you weren't going to do it before a two-week break in late December when it was obvious that the season was going the way that it's going to go, why do it now? By the way, I read today that this is the cloudiest January in record here. I mean, I believe it. Mm-hmm. It's just, I feel like we haven't seen the sun in three damn days. More than that. <laughs> 31 damn days. <laughs> Texas Clemson gave us 13 extra possessions and we managed to lose by six. If we played as the statistically worst offense in the NCAA with those 13 extra possessions, we would have won by 11 and we couldn't even muster the confidence to play like the worst offense in the country. It's a hell of a text. We did what we had. We had we out rebounded them forty eight to twenty nine. We had, I mean, what like a, a billion offensive rebounds. It was 11-0 at halftime in favor of you all for offensive, <laughs> offensive rebounds. Rebound. And yeah. we had twenty one offensive rebounds. They had four. That's incredible. So we had seventeen more second chance opportunities or third chance opportunities than if they you, did. If you tell me that stat alone and just leave the teams out of it, I'm telling you that team wins every time. I mean, yeah. You look at the numbers. We out rebounded them forty eight to twenty nine. We had 21 offensive rebounds to their four. They shot five of 21 from three, 23.8%. They shot 43.1% from the field. It's, it, it's Statistically, they're a good offensive team. They played a terrible offensive game. You give me those numbers, I don't care who the opponent is. I'm saying like well, the other team won by, by 15. Yep. And we lost by six. Two of 20 from three for Louisville, 34.4% from the field. Uh, both teams did shoot the uh, free throw well. So shoot well at the free throw line. Clemson was 21 of 25. We were 18 of 23. Uh, big difference. They had 13 assists on their made shots. We had four. And we turned the ball over 16 times. They're 13. Not terrible. It, it, it is kind of crazy that we lost that game when you look at the box score. But That's, It's almost unfathomable that a team could get four assists. It's, uh, you know, this is what we do. I mean, that is a shocking stat. It's who we are. It's what we do. Texas, what's going on with Hersey? Does Kenny just take a metal bat to these kids' knees? Do our doctors suck? So he's seeing different ones. What's happening? The Hersey Miller thing is interesting. So this is the second straight game that he has been on the injury report, and the only thing that we've been told is that he is out of state seeking medical consultation. I've I've got no idea what that means. Like th- there were rumors about Dennis Evans that got out before the official story came out that wound up being true. I've not heard, maybe this is just me, maybe other people have heard, I've not heard any sort of rumors about what's going on with Hersey, but that's a weird situation where whatever he's dealing with, he's not trusting team doctors, or has he actually been kicked off the team, or has he left the team, and we're just, like, at this point, it's the same thing that we said after the Dennis Evans stuff happened. You know, they come out with a statement saying Dennis Evans has not been medically cleared, he's not going to be medically cleared, and because of how much the Karan Davis situation was fumbled, Everyone just assumes, well, BS. Like, this is another smokescreen. Well, what's really going on? Did Dennis get kicked off the team? Did he just want to leave because we suck and he doesn't like the coaching staff? Like, clearly something else is going on here. And the staff, because of how poorly, I say the staff, I mean, it starts with Kenny Payne, 
because of how poorly he has communicated things with the fan base and because of how much distrust there is right now, like nobody knows what to think with Hersey. But if you just say he's he's simply out of town looking for some sort of diagnosis, we're like, okay, maybe he is, but maybe he like you know, maybe Kenny punched him. Maybe you know, maybe, maybe there was a fight. Maybe he fought somebody else. Like we have no idea what's going on, but we have no reason to believe the official word anymore. You know, it would be really funny if all those guys just showed up together. So like pull a Cron Davis, how he's sitting in the crowd every game. What if Dennis Evans rolled up, sat next to him, you had flowers roll next to him, Hersey Miller, they're all just sitting in the crowd watching. Be I, hilarious. I, I did love the idea yesterday when the announcers were making it such a point to say they've got no point guards here. Like the idea of like Karan Davis like flying in on a quick private jet, <laughs> just like sprinting down little John Coliseum steps and yeah. entering, entering the game. Uh, yeah, that, that would have been. We, we could have used Karan last night. I've got yeah. no idea if he's any good, oh, yeah. but he's, he would have played for sure. And I mean, Hersey would have played. I don't. I've got. I have no insight as to what's going on there. It's very strange. Texture says, uh, "Every time I wake up and check a Louisville basketball game recap, the DMX voice pops in my head and says, here we go again.' But hey, Kenny Payne won those second halves. Good job, buddy. We did win yet another second half last night. Should I just start betting that for every game? Uh, I mean, like I saw. I follow Coleman Crawley, who's a good college basketball follower, and he's got this new system that he uses for second. He only bets second halves, like second half under, over, second half covers. Basically, if there's been a weird first half, he bets on like the norm kind of playing out a little bit. And, and, and So like one of his big plays last night was Louisville plus six in the second half, and I was like, I'm watching this game. I don't trust that at all. <laughs> but it was, it was the right play because Louisville won the second half by six. So uh, we are – Raise the banner back up. We're, we are making games interesting again. That's the 2024 banner, but we're all, I think we've won five of six second halves. It's pretty good. Beat UNC and Kentucky by one. That's two top ten teams. But how half. are you winning second halves? Because you dig yourself a hole in the well, first the, half. The, 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 just details. doesn't matter. <laughs> Texter says, uh, I'll stop hating Scoots if he has his mom buy him three pounds of grapes and then eats them all in one night before going to bed at 3 a.m. Absolutely not. But two, two parts to that. I'm not eating one bag of grapes, and I'm not staying up till 3 a.m. No shot. These are all things that you don't do. Exactly. I don't eat healthy. Three pounds of grapes is so much. I still, yeah. Three a, pounds? It's a lot of grapes. There's nothing I could eat three pounds. Maybe crab. I could maybe eat three pounds of crab. Of crab? Mm-hmm. You realize how much crab that is? It's so much crab. crab. I, that's one of those things I could just eat and eat and eat. I just, I, it doesn't really fill me up. I do kind of feel that way. Seafood is the one thing. Like shrimp. I feel like I could just eat unlimited shrimp. Yeah, all the time. same. Texas, I never thought that I would say this, but can we talk about AEW? Scoots doesn't watch wrestling. Nope. I don't think Trey does. Nope. We, have, we, got no, we have no insight for you there. I, I've got no idea what Orange Cassidy is doing anymore. I used to get my daily Orange Cassidy update. That's I've got, your guy, right? That's my guy, but I've got no idea what's going on. because if he's your guy, you should follow him. Well, I don't actually watch Pay AEW. attention. I just, you know, it, it was a joke, and then he, I, I found out he ended up being good. So <laughs> I've got no – let me just Twitter search Orange Cassidy. Make sure he's still a champion of something. <laughs> Sloth style. I do miss the updates. Not really, but kind of. Um, he honored the GOAT John Cena on the Jericho cruise. I've got no idea what any of that means, but that's what happened. John Cena, Jericho, you know those guys. Well, I know, but like, I don't know what the Jericho cruise is. Looks like they, Use it, your imagination. It looks like there was a wrestling event held on a cruise ship. That sounds awesome. And he honored John Cena during his match. Texture says, classic Gil. Did we bring up Gil? Uh, you, he was letting you have the Indiana game oh, on right. the big TV yeah. last night. Classic Gil. That is classic Gil. That's new, newly classic Gil. Texture says, Mike, my mom studies kids' behavior, and she notes pretty confidently of the positive correlation between iPads and TV 
and kids throwing tantrums. I mean, we we are TV iPads in emergency situations only. But I don't know any of my friends that. I mean, my my friend who has like the best behaved kids in the entire world, they're on their iPads constantly. I don't think that I don't I don't buy that. <laughs> Texter says, uh, "What happened, sir? Did that one hang you up?" The attorney doesn't mean any. I don't even know what that's a reference to. Uh, Texter says, so bring Brom home guy is 100% John Ramsey, right? Also free to get. Uh, the John Ramsey thing, I do think it's hilarious that this is caught on. Like, so there's a there's a big, I don't even know what the gotcha moment was. I guess because he was he said something nice about me and John and the radio show a couple of weeks ago. And now people, I got tagged in a tweet last night. who was like, he's 100% John Ramsey. John, I say this in the nicest way possible. I watched John struggle with technology for a long time. I love John. He's a very smart guy. He's he's an old when it comes to technology. He he had like fifty thousand unread emails on his phone. He he barely would could could get email to work most days. John does <laughs> is not going to be the type of person who's sitting around on his phone, tweeting all day, or who knows how to develop some sort of I don't like, I don't know how to do it system where you automatically tweet something every time a certain person. Tweets like you, just, you have an automated reply. He he would not know how to perform a spam operation, <laughs> which is what the Bring Brom Home guy does. Like so, I, I laugh constantly when I hear that. One, John, John. I mean, he did love Jeff. He's got a relationship with Jeff, but John could not have been happier to get off of Twitter when we were off the radio. Like they, he hated having to do Twitter. He felt like it was a, a chore. He did not like being on there. He did, he mixed it up sometimes, but he just he didn't like Twitter. He was very happy to give it up. I think when the radio show ended. So the notion that he would just form this, this this alternate identity that would just be doing this thing over and over and over again. I mean, John's a man about town. He's got a, he's working for the city now. He's all over the place. So like, I think it's hilarious that people think that they figured it out. I mean, it's like it's some kid is who Bring Brom yeah, Home guy is for sure. I think he got outed last night a little bit, but people at U of L have known who he is for a while. He accidentally tweeted a picture of himself from the Bring Brom Home account when he meant to tweet it from his real account several months ago. It's just some kid who like. Sure, he's a very nice kid. He seems to love the show. We love you too. Um, congrats, you helped bring Brom home. But it's not this like, hey, it's actually former mayor uh, Cherry Abramson <laughs> is bring like you know it's like it's like the Bull Durham thing where they're talking about how when you're talking about who you were in a past life and you reincarnate, it's always somebody famous. Like nobody ever says they were Joe Schmo. It's like when we when you have these mysterious identities, everyone assumes it's one of like. The twenty-five people around town that we all—it's Terry Miners. It's, it's somebody that everybody knows. It's like the—it's the, like ninety-nine point nine percent chance that it's going to be somebody that you just some guy or some girl, just somebody you've never heard of. And I think that's the case here. I had to mute him today, by the way. You muted Bring My Home guy. I did. I muted him. Yeah. I've been off and on because look, he clear, he loves the show. He said very nice things about us in the past. Um, in between the Bring Brom Home campaigns and the Mick is the Pick campaigns, I unmuted him. And he'd pop up every now and then saying something. But since Mick the Pick has started, I had to... I, well, it, I mean... It's every one of my tweets. Every single one. For me, it's just... There was so much validity with the whole Brom thing. I mean, it, it's it just... From an outside perspective, it seemed like that was absolutely going to happen. Whereas this whole Mick thing just... It feels like, forced. It, it does feel forced. Like, he's trying to catch lightning in a bottle twice. And it's like... Even if you are right at the end and Louisville does hire Mick, I just I'm not convinced that's the right pick. He's the successful athlete who like retired on top of the world, but then just 
couldn't stay away. Like just had gotten that taste of the high life and couldn't just be a normal. He's he's Ric Flair. Yeah. Just cannot Boom. stay away. Just just can't stop. Like like you know, has the perfect retirement. You know, would go out legend forever, but just cannot stay away. Can't stay out of the limelight. Has to try and, and it's never going to be the same. Yeah. It just it's it's not. It's true. And what's next? Like if Dan McDonald leaves, he's just going to go out, like some hashtag for a baseball coach. <laughs> Texture says, everyone knows that it doesn't matter how selfish your team plays for the first 30 minutes as long as they try hard the last 10 to make the scoreboard look better. That's all that matters. It, it uh, I mean, like, it's why I have an issue. Like, I, I'm not going to totally gloss over the fact that they play hard. They, they played hard down the stretch with just six scholarship guys and no point guard. It, it is, like, it was an effort down the stretch that's, like, warrants praise. The bench was into it. The coaches were still going. The guys were playing insanely hard, and they did make a game out of a situation that they where they very easily could have laid down and lost by 30. That deserves praise. But it does not excuse the reason why they were down by 24. Like, for, for all 40 minutes of a game count. And I think that you've got some people that were... You, know, you have some people that are just not going to give any credit right now and who are only going to focus on the, the parts that are bad. But you also have some people who just want to talk about the parts where they fought, the part, the parts where they, they played well, the second half where they actually won. And the reality is all parts of a game matter. And when you take into account every single part of every single game, this team has won six times and lost 15. And that's not good. They're 1-9 in the conference. They're 6-15 and 15 overall. They're bad. They're real bad. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. Texture says, so I've been a... Big beard guy so far, even though another portion of the fan base is against it. After last night, I have this feeling that he would stay at Ole Miss if offered. He'd stick with the guy that gave him a shot when no one else would in Oxford. Him and his players look pretty connected. I feel like it would be a Brom-Purdue first go-around situation. Even if we did consider Beard, I feel like he'd stay there for now. I mean, that's a very realistic possibility. I think the same thing. I mean, it, it's I know that there's no loyalty in major college sports. And, and look, Chris Beard was at Texas Tech, and he went to their kind of hated rival and te- one of their hated rivals in Texas, but it was a little bit of a different situation. Beard was like a Texas guy. He's, he's from that area. He grew up, I think, a Texas fan is, is what everybody said. Uh, I know he had deeper connections to Texas Tech, but still, it's Texas. Like, like that's That was a logical move for him. Ole Miss now, the situation has changed, and I, I think the texture is right in that there's a very real possibility that he would say, at least this early on, they gave me a shot. Nobody else wanted to touch me. They're going to stay as far away as possible. I at least owe them to stick this thing, to, to see this thing through, to be here for three, four, five years, build this program up. And then when my reputation is fully rehabilitated and I stayed out of trouble, we've done things by the book, maybe the, the, all the details come out about what happened, then I can make a jump to somebody else bigger and better. Yeah. But I think it's why I hesitate to even have the full discussion about Chris Beard, and we've done it several times now already with him and Will Wade, because like I'm I'm not even sure how realistic of a candidate he is, and there's no point in going all in or against somebody when you, you you've got. I mean, I've already said like I, I I don't want Chris Beard here. I can see the other side of it. I do think there are things to be discussed when it comes to the pros and the cons of, of hiring him right now, but I'm not even sure if he w- would take the job if offered, and I'm, and I'm really not sure that Josh would offer it to him. I mean, Josh came out, I think it was the State of Louisville guys, they found the clip of him at Kenny Payne's introductory press conference where he came out and basically said, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have it in front of me, but he said, like, if I'd heard one sort of bad story about 
somebody calling Kenny Payne's question into character or character into question, I would have said no. Because that's the position that we're in at Louisville. Like we are in a unique spot where we have been fairly or unfairly painted with a brush of there everything that's wrong with college basketball. We we're still a stigmatized program. We can ill afford to have the wrong guy with the wrong character issues have something blow up in our face again. And Josh made that point just two years ago when he was hiring. I know things have changed a little bit, but like it's not like you stay out of trouble for two years and it's like, we can go hire a serial killer. We, we can hire whoever we want. I, I think that his his mentality going into this hire is probably pretty similar to what it was 24 months ago because not a whole lot has changed. Shout out to Chris Beard, though, for uh, allowing his team to get down big last night early. Wow. I could slam that money line. Oh, you, you oh, live, yeah. live betting? Oh, yeah. That's a good bet. Um, that was a nice win for them, yeah. you know, beating Mississippi State at home. I mean, look, I, I thought they were going to kind of fade away as the season went on because their their schedule was so bad at the beginning of the year. Um, I, I thought they were pretenders. They're so far, at least, kind of proved me wrong. Eighteen and three overall, five and three in the SEC. They've got wins now, back to back wins over Texas A and M and Mississippi State, who are two pretty good teams. Now, big test on Saturday. They'll play Auburn, who right now. The, the metrics, at least, think is, is the best team in the SEC. Where is that game? It's at Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss wins that. You think so? I do. Uh, Ken Palm likes Auburn to win 78-72. But Auburn, Ken Palm's wrong. Auburn gets Vandy tonight at home, then they go down to Ole Miss. So, yeah, I, mean, that's, I think that's one of those games where if they do win, all of a sudden you're like, okay, they're not just like for real as being an NCAA tournament team. They're for real as being a team that can do some damage. Um, and he doesn't have, like, like you know, the only player that I think Louisville fans would know on that team, Jamin Brakefield was a guy who started his career at Duke who we thought we were going to get. I think he may have even been committed to us at one point. Just played his freshman year there. Now he's in his, his third year at Ole Miss. But there's not a whole lot of like big-time names on that roster. He, he didn't have a lot of time to assemble a, a group of transfer portal all-stars. he got some good players that are you – know, Alan Flanagan's a good player. But it's not like he's. It's loaded with this familiar cast of characters in college basketball circles. He's. Like, there's no way. There's no other way to say it. he's done a hell of a job down there. He's a hell of a coach. There's like that's not up for debate. Speaking of transfer portal all stars, uh-huh. Dalton Connect. Dalton Ooh. Connect is like I said. I'm putting together. It's going to post tomorrow. I he's think. Incredible. My midseason All Americans, and I'm. I've got the names. I'm kind of. There's a couple spots where, I'm, and I'm like, I may make him a first team All American. Like I think you have to at this point. He's been. I mean, the difference between Tennessee last year and Tennessee this year is basically him like he's the guy where if Tennessee had him a year ago he they, completes the puzzle they, they probably go they, they go at least one round further yeah. maybe they go to the final four but they were they were the best defensive team in college basketball last season by a wide margin they were um one of the best statistically defenses that we've seen in college basketball over the last decade and they just had nobody who could score and it kind of tanked them you know you know they had the performance against Duke where they they just they bled them dry and just didn't let them do anything. But then they played a team like FAU, and they just there was no offense. Like they they you know they were good defensively in that game. They just had nobody who could score. If they'd had him a year ago, and if Zakai Ziegler had been healthy, that's the other thing is you know use your point guard midway through the year. That's a big blow as well. Ziegler's back. He's playing well. But Dalton Connect going and getting a guy from Northern Colorado who can fill it up the way that he's been able to fill it up has been has been huge. He's been unbelievable for them this season. I'll take one more text, and we'll call it a break. Texas says, as far as college basketball coaches go, I've always thought it would be very cool if a top-tier coach who already had a generational wealth intentionally went to a downtrodden D1 team to prove they could build up any program. Patino is doing a version of that now, albeit being unintentionally demoted. 
Yeah, I mean, he I mean, kind of did it at Iona. I know it's a lower program, and they were successful at the mid-major level, but he definitely built on that. Yeah, he's... I'm trying to think. I think we, we Beard's kind of doing it at Ole Miss. He kind of did it at Texas Tech. Um, Bob Knight kind of did it at Texas Tech back in the day. But it, it's still really hard. It's easier than it is in college football, but it's still really hard to go to a program that's historically been like a Tier 3 school and make them a Tier 1 program consistently. Like You very rarely see a program just break through that glass ceiling and then stick around there. Florida probably was as close as, as we've seen because Florida, you know, was they had their moments as a basketball program, but they were never like a perennial top 10 squad. And Billy Donovan, for a brief, not, not, not that brief period in time, had them consistently competing for national titles and is still the last program to win back-to-back national titles. So it's, it's rare, but if you have the goods, I think you can do it in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break. When we come back, more from you guys on the Thornton Sex Line, 502-414-1450. I've also got a weird story that I want to get Scoots' thoughts on Woo-hoo. and your thoughts on as well. We'll take a break. We'll come back right here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. that this is uh this is your favorite eagle eye cherry song uh perhaps the only one i know i think it's i think that's the joke yeah i don't think they had another song they didn't i mean not a big one i think this is i think they're kind of a one-hit wonder hmm. i can't I mean i can't name another no, eagle eye cherry song great name if only because of the band name alone they should have had more success so here's the problem though we could be so it's it's hot in here you're it drink, is very you're hot in coffee here. i'm hot in here you're hot in here so open the window a little bit immediately there's some dad just berating his kid in the parking lot <laughs> It's the angriest parents of all time. <laughs> Get over here. Let's calm out. Let's open the window a little more. Calm out. I think he drove away. <laughs> like the same dad who left his kids lunch at the parking lot a few few weeks ago. Got run over immediately. God, that was sad. It was a sad moment. It was a, it was a sad day. But the lunchbox was gone the next day. It was. So somebody found it. Somebody yeah. picked it up. It was all okay. But yeah, it's uh, you always run the risk of. I'm sure at five fifteen we're gonna have somebody honking their horn constantly. Oh yeah, every day. The show. It, it, it come. It, it's part of the the charm. Of Big X Radio. It's part of the charm here with the Mike Rutherford Show, and we love sharing it with you here at 502-414-1450. People are refusing to believe that John Ramsey's not the Bring Brown Home guy. (laughs) And I guess I can't officially confirm it, but I I will have never been more shocked by anything in my life (laughs) than if John Ramsey... And and I mean, I'm I'm 99.5% sure that this... This kid that every person at U of L has sent me, like, hey, we know who it is. It's this guy, it is actually the person. It's maybe more people had access to the account than just one person, but this guy, there's no other explanation for. So they won one of those U of L basketball, like Adidas boxes that they were giving away through like scavenger hunts at the beginning of the season, but before the season started. And they accidentally tweeted a picture of themselves holding the box from the Bring Brom home account, quickly deleted it and tweeted it from their real account, but like a handful of people caught it. God, that's a loud truck. 
and uh, th- that's how I think the the exposure began. So God, you got to be more careful. I mean, look, geez, can't get caught tweeting from burners. Dan Doggish had it happen recently. Rookies. Dan, the, the Dan Doggish one was great recently, where he was like, "This is why ESPN coverage sucks without Doggish. Doggish was the only guy." I'm like, Dan, you're tweeting it from your real account, bud. Can't do that. <laughs> can't happen. Five one two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton sex line. Uh, before we get there, have you seen the the latest in the the battle between Tennessee and the NCAA? I have heard about it, but I'm I'm not really 100 percent sure what's going. On. Something with Neil. Yes. So, one Virginia's in on it too, right? Virginia, Virginia. The latest in, instance, yes, Virginia's in on it. So the attorney generals did something filed against the NCAA. Right. So the NCAA has gone after a handful of schools recently for NIL-related stuff. The, the Florida State, I think, was the first one that they announced that they were investigating. They're investigating Florida. Are we shocked that this is happening, first of all? We shouldn't be. Yeah. We you know, th- Then we find out yesterday they're looking into Tennessee for a variety of NIL-related potential offenses. And so, very quickly yesterday, people start predicting somebody from Tennessee is not going to stand for this. There's going to be a lawsuit filed. And we know when the NCAA goes to court, the NCAA loses in court. They have a worse record than Kenny Payne when it comes to being in a court of law. And so today, we get the Virginia and Tennessee uh, Ags to go ahead and, and, and file a lawsuit against the NCAA. And the NCAA has released a statement since then saying, while the NCAA generally does not comment on specific infractions cases, it's important to remember that the NCAA member schools and conferences not only make the rules, but routinely call for greater enforcement of those rules and holding violators accountable. In recent years, this has been especially true as it relates to establishing and enforcing a consistent set of national rules intended to manage the name, image, and likeness environment. This legal action would exacerbate what our members themselves have frequently described as a Wild West atmosphere, further tilting competitive imbalance among schools in neighboring states and diminishing protections for student-athletes from potential exploitation. It goes on and on and on. But, like, let's be real. If Tennessee and Virginia, if the states win this case, it basically means the NCAA can no longer oversee college sports and NIL enforcement, which, yay, good, that's cool. Like, the NCAA sucks at this. They're terrible. What then? Then it's really going to become exactly. the Wild West. It, it, it very much become. people have been saying this for a long time. The NCAA has served as a protector, by and large, for conferences and member institutions. Because when, when people screw up, nobody get the, the schools rarely get sued. The conferences rarely get sued. The NCAA gets schooled, gets sued. And when schools screw up, they don't punish themselves. The conferences don't have to punish them. The NCAA punishes them. And so schools have always liked this setup. There's, there's somebody else to point the finger at. There's somebody to help. And, and like the, the statement reads, like the schools are the NCAA. Member institutions and conferences and leaders make up the NCAA themselves. So while the NCAA has very much created this, this problem for themselves by not getting out in front of it, not having a set of bylaws ready, by basically just hoping that all of these cases across the country were going to be ruled in favor of, uh, of them and not the schools, uh, and you know the, the California case that broke it down and said, "Hey, it's it's illegal not to have these let these kids get paid." When it when the writing should have been on the wall that we're going to lose these cases and that schools are going to start doing this, the NCA should have at least you know if you want to fight it, fine, but at least have a contingency plan that says if we have to start doing this, here's the way it's going to work. And instead, 
they did nothing for two or three years. This became a thing. Some states had it legalized. Some states didn't. And so when it got out of hand, there was nobody to step in and police it. And then the NCAs tried to start swinging you know, the big thing around and, and, and saying, here's what we're going to do. And if you violate it, you're going to be in for it. And so nobody's abiding by it because they know they can, if you try to do what the NCAA is trying to do to Tennessee right now, you can take it to a court of law. And guess what? You're going to win because the NCAA doesn't have a leg to stand on. The, the, the question becomes, though, if you take the NCAA out of the equation, which will happen when, some if, when Tennessee and Virginia win this case, where do you go from here? Because you think it's the Wild West now. Imagine nobody enforcing anything and no fear of anybody enforcing anything. It's, I'm all for players getting some cut for sure. You can't have a billion-dollar industry where the people who are doing the lion's share of the work are not being compensated at all. But you also have to have some infrastructure. Well, and that's that's why I was against this whole thing to start with, because we didn't have everything set up correctly. I mean, this is the most predictable thing of all time. The NCAA is a joke. They didn't think this thing out at all. They were just they felt so much pressure from the outside. Oh, we better we better get this passed because the, the like you said, the lawsuit in California. It's all a bunch of bogus. We well, should have didn't pass anything. The issue there is they fought tooth and nail for a long time. And they're like, OK, you want to do this? We're just not going to do anything. And UCLA and USC and those schools initially were like, cool. Like, if you want to say that we're ineligible for postseasons, we can take it to the law because the law is very easily saying these kids have to get paid. And then other states followed suit because it's the easiest case to win in the world. They very clearly are, by every possible definition, employees. Like, the amount of work that you're requiring them to do, the fact that you're making all this money and they're getting none of it. Like, it was a, it's a slam dunk case across the country. And so the NCAA was just like, well, we don't, we don't agree. We're not going to abide by it. And then when it came down to it, and they were like, okay, as opposed to like losing a million cases in court, we have to create some sort of set of rules. It was already out of hand. Mm-hmm. Like they, they did nothing and just hoped the problem would go away. And I, I, honestly, I don't think they hoped, they hoped it would go away. I think they wanted it to be a massive failure so they could just say, we told you so, we told you so, which is not good for anybody. And now we're sitting here. We know we have to do this. We know that the it's impossible to go back at this point. And we shouldn't have gone back. Like, like again, the players deserve to make money off their name, image, and likeness. But you can't just be a total free for all. There has to yeah. be some sort of regulations out there, or else this thing's going to get even more out of control. Um, and the NCAA had no plan, and now the, the plan that they did try to make on the fly is blowing up in their face. And, and who knows where we go from here? Well, and I don't want to regurgitate old takes that I've had, but I, I mean, I feel like I have to now. But I, I just wish they would have taken more time to calculate how much they're actually getting paid before we started this whole nil thing. Because, I mean, if you add in the the scholarship they're getting, they're, they're not leaving college with $75,000 in debt. The, the merchandise they're getting, the every athlete on campus has the biggest food card that you can get. I mean, they, they can get way more food than anybody else. Like, it's all – I wanted to know what all that would have been added up together because at the end of the day, say that's a value of $80,000 – you're getting paid twenty thousand dollars a year at eighteen to twenty-two years old. That's that's pretty good, it, and you're still in school, having the time of your life playing sports. Like it, it, it is, and I think that applies to a lot of the schools. I think the issue comes about when you look at a pro, like for instance, Louisville. Ten years ago, like Forbes ran a thing basically saying, like Russ Smith is worth like twenty-five million dollars because the program is profiting. Like you know, we were the highest revenue producer in all of college basketball. Russ Smith had so much to do for that. And so when you look at it and you're like, damn, Louisville's making 
$100 million off of just basketball over this amount of years, and the players are getting nothing. Like Their value is worth more than just the, the scholarship, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so how do you compare that to a school like you know, Jacksonville, right. where you know, they're not turning in that type of money, but you don't want them to not be uh, paid at all for their service? Like, well, I mean, when, when this whole nil thing came out, I was thinking along the lines of, Jersey sales, make a Russ Smith jersey, and he gets up fifty percent of every one of those or whatever. I was thinking more along stuff like that. Whereas it has just completely evolved into, hey, AirServe, go after so and so, Sky Clark, and and make a nil deal with him. Like it's just it's gotten out of control. I I don't like the business side of where this thing has gone. I don't mind the business side of it. I think I think the issue is more about these these collectives and but funneling it, money. Yeah. Yeah. Where it has become like you know the whole thing was supposed to be you earn this based on your name image likeness. If you want to endorse a product like you're a professional athlete, you can endorse a product. If you want you know jersey sales, which everyone always points to jersey sales, and, and the reality is jersey sales are going to be peanuts when yeah, it comes to true. profits for players. I mean, you can give them a cut of the concessions. Like there's but the endless the, possibility. The issue has become wealthy people getting together and funneling money and just being like, we're going to give you two hundred and fifty thousand dollars if you come here and play for the school. Or we're going to give you three hundred thousand dollars to come back for another year without and making play for the school without making calculations. It seems like that that's what the player's value is. Yeah, it, it's, it's just it's literally throw offer this amount, hope he takes it, even though we've done no research how much he'll actually bring to the university. And I, I just hate that. I and that's become I think a little bit of the issue because you've got the bigger money schools just throwing. I mean, you, the story of Tennessee getting together like one point two million dollars for a kid uh, in high school who was a high school junior. A couple of years ago, when this first started, like that's stuff like that, I think is where the NCAA is like, okay, we can't really, it's not really what we're, we're we're going for here. And then you also have the case of I can't remember the kid's name who now is suing Florida. I think you had the Florida Collective paying a recruit when he was a junior in high school who was like this really highly touted recruit has a bad summer at the the eleven on eleven camps has a bad senior year. All of a sudden, he's not viewed as like a top thirty quarterback in the class, and so they're like, well, we're not going to give you the rest of your money, and you're not going to play here. Like you know, it's, it's uh, that sort of thing, I think, is where you get into dangerous territory. Well, and with high school kids specifically, I, mean, I, I agree with them getting nil to. I mean, I, I've ultimately I've come around on the whole nil thing. While I don't agree with how it all works, I've, I've ultimately come around on it. But in regards to high school kids, they can't be getting money from these collectives. That's that's got to come from somewhere else, right? I mean, ultimately, will there be a, a high school collective in these in states? Probably. Like again, Indiana. You, you, you. I mean, that's what it's got to come down to. You, you cannot give a kid money from a college collective, in my opinion. I would have loved to have been endorsing products as a very average high school baseball player. Yeah, that would have been very fun. exactly. I would yeah. have loved to have. Yeah, little jersey sales. You want a Mike Rutherford five jersey? Could make that happen. No <laughs> that was problem. your number five? I was a big five guy. Mm. I think I actually I was six uh, my my senior year because I was sick on the day that we picked jerseys. I was I was very upset about you it. You didn't get to pick as a senior, but another senior took my number. Oh, I'd taken it the other three man. years, and he was like, "I always wanted to be five. I was like, "I was so pissed. What a jerk! And, uh, I didn't have a very good senior year either. I felt like it was all about the I couldn't wear my socks up. We had a new coach. He wouldn't let any of us wear our pant legs up, and I didn't get my number. I was like, I was doomed from the start. See, I was the opposite. I didn't get my number. Two was my number, but I wore my freshman through junior year. I wore twenty because Gil was a year older than no, me. No, Gil? And, and he was number two, so I had to wait until he graduated. And then in my senior year, I got Classic number two. Classic Gil. Yep. Was Gil a baller? Uh, he was okay, yeah. Uh, Although. Sounds like a little jealousy there. Well, no, I mean, 
I don't know. We were we were probably the worst two players on the team. If I'm being <laughs> honest, I mean he had he had a phrase named after him. He he played second base and all the time you just hear E four E four. Whereas me at the he could actually hit though a little bit. I I couldn't hit. I either no. I either was a sacrifice bunner or I would strike out or two percent of the time I draw a walk. What was your nickname? Uh, at that time I was JK. JK. Well, yeah. Not not very creative. Not not E seven. I was not, a left fielder. It's hard to hard to make errors in the outfield. Not as good as E four for sure. I did make my fair share of diving catches though. I was kind of known for that. And a boy. Yeah. Uh, 1450 is the Thornton's text line. Take some more text from you guys before we wrap up hour number two. Texter says, uh, "Does this Tennessee investigation by the NCA over NIL kind of feel like the last fight the NCA picks with power conference member?" With the speed of their public fight and the lawsuits as a response, I'm loving it. F the NCA and Pad 40. It, it, it does feel like this is the last gasp. If there is a good thing, because I talked about how when they lose this case, the like this could very much be the the straw that breaks the camel's back, and we could have the NCA go away forever, or at least the NCA as we know it, it will have to take on a, a different form where it's not controlling the NIL and it's not really controlling the entire system. At that point, I mean, I feel, I feel like you'd be in the clear to hang that 2013 banner back up. Why not? What what are they doing? It is crazy to me that we're seeing like all these punishments. Like the NCAA is, is not punishing anybody. Nobody's get, getting in trouble for anything. And you look back and it's like we had a title and a Final Four taken away for something that gained us no competitive advantage. Was it gross? Yeah, but we weren't like we didn't gain a competitive advantage. Speaking of that thing last night, uh, I mean the NCAA and vacated wins and all this stuff. Tom Izzo last night, got, so cool. Got win number seven hundred against over, a rival uh, against rival Michigan. On his birth. Do you know, first of all, do you know who has the most active career wins among D1 head coaches? Um, I know Patino's second. He's not. No? Because of vacated wins, which is what I'm getting Oh, uh, okay. Who do you think's won? God, we talked about it this morning. How um, many of the top nine can you t- can you name here? Bill Self. Bill Self is number three. Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo is uh, ninth on the list. Uh, Kelvin Sampson. Kelvin Sampson is fourth on the list. Uh, who else has been around a long time? Uh, Leonard Hamilton is he up there? He's not. Yeah, should have. You kind of named. That. Pat- uh, did you say Patino? Patino, yeah. Patino's on the list. Patino he's, count. He's technically seventh. Uh, Cal Perry. Cal Perry's one. That's right. Okay. Yeah. The winningest active coach in Division One men's basketball. So you are you, you you've named five of the nine. That's it. Yeah. I thought I had at least seven already. There are four out there. You should be able to get. I think at least one of these guys. Um. Uh, Bruce Pearl. No. I'm, I'm out. I got nothing else. So, first of all, if vacated... Oh, Sean Miller. No. <laughs> if <laughs> if vacated wins weren't a thing, Rick Pitino would have 847 career wins and John Calipari would have 843. As it stands, Calipari has 805 and Pitino has 724. The, the, the names you didn't mention, number two on the list kind of surprised me. I'm going to be mad at this one. We talked about it this morning. Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes. Gosh Tennessee. dang it. Yep. No, you know, only one Final Four trip with Texas. No Final Four trips with Tennessee. 794 career wins, just 11 fewer than John Calipari officially. Bill Self is third with 789. Kelvin Sampson is fourth with 751. This is a surprise. Dana Altman at Oregon oh, okay. is fifth with 745. Then Jim Laranega. Oh, now he's Miami, 110 years old. I should have guessed him. Is sixth. Uh, Rick Pitino is seventh, as mentioned. And the other one you did not mention, Mark Few at Gonzaga. I think you should have gotten that mm. one. 704 career wins, just ahead of Tom Izzo, who has 700 career wins. 
uh, hitting that mark last night. On now, his birthday. Do you think, because there was a period there where we had Bayheim and, and Coach K both getting to 1,000 wins within yeah. uh, a couple of years of one another, and then Bayheim had to go back and then kind of did it again, and Syracuse refused to, to honor it because they were like, we did it the first time. These vacated wins are crap. Do you think we get a – are we going to get another coach to with to 1,000 wins in the next 10 years? Because Calipari, he would have to let, – let's say he wins 25 games a year – that's about eight more seasons at Kentucky, maybe seven more seasons if he has a couple of really good I don't years. Know if he lasts that long. As, as I think Rick Barnes is getting up there in age. Self, the series with Indiana is probably seven or eight wins away. The series with Indiana away. starts in twenty eight, so Cal's going to be gone by then. Do you think so? I don't know if he wants to play Indiana. Does Cal get to a thousand wins? I mean, I could see he could maybe take another job. Oh, man, uh, I'm going to say no. He's not that old. You know, he's, he's what? what, 63? I was going to say 64. 64. He's 64. Let's say he's got 10 years in him. If he averages just what, 22 wins per season, yeah, he's getting to 1,000. I'm going to say no. I mean, I think Bill Self gets to 1,000. Unless he gets va- more vacated. Yeah, which, which he could happen. He should have had more vacated this last go-around, but that didn't happen. He's got 789. He's about, what, Cal Perry's age? I think we've looked this up before. Um He's not going anywhere from Kansas anytime soon. He's 61. Do you know who the all-time winningest coach is, men and women? It's still it's still Pat Summit, isn't it? Nope. Who is it? Who did, Somebody passed her recently? Somebody passed Coach K recently because it was Coach K. Uh, and then he, she, he got passed earlier this I year. I mean, is it um, Ari Emma? Nope. Is he still at UConn? Yeah. Hmm. Who is it? Uh, Vanderveer. Tara, Tara Vanderveer. Oh, that's right. I remember yeah. that story. Where, where, yep. Where's that? She's at Stanford. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I would not have guessed that. I remember the story. I didn't realize she had more than everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, learn something new every day. Um, Coach K still is, what, the most all-time in, in men? Mm-hmm. And who's second on the list? Bayon. They're the only two coaches with 1,000 wins. Huggins probably would have gotten there had he not. And Huggins, may, maybe he makes a comeback. No I don't way. Know. Jim Calhoun is fourth. Roy Williams is fifth. Bob Knight, sixth. So active coaches, I mean, Calipari is the number one, but he's only 14th on the all-time list, which is kind of crazy. Rick Bird was up there before he retired, Eddie Sutton. Uh, 502-414-1450. Let's take a couple of texts here before we, we call it a hour. Texture says, Mike, you are using the wrong logic. First halves just don't count. <laughs> We're a better team. The thing is, even if first halves didn't count, we still wouldn't be an NCAA well, tournament you, team. We just have like nine wins. Using the Kenny Payne logic, first half is, is year zero. Second half is the first half. It's the same exact logic because we keep going like even if year one didn't count, year two sucks. Like like if, if this is year one, it's a terrible, disastrous year one. And if if first halves don't count, we're still a crappy team. Like we're still not very good. We just kind of gotten hot recently. We won like six of our last eight. So there's that. Texas Mike, I understand this is a U of L show and you should be using Friday's show to preview Florida State. I also know that nobody really wants that. I'd instead like to propose previewing St. John's and UConn. <laughs> I know it has a whiff of liking your ex's picture on Instagram, but let's face it, it's the game people are going to be talking about. I don't think people want that either. And people will be interested in the game, but they also like they don't want me breaking down this how St. John's matches up with UConn. There'll be enough other people doing that. Well, McGavis a football guy, right? Matt, mm-hmm. football and basketball. Oh, okay. He'll be in there. I thought Friday. he was. I thought he leaned more football. I don't know if he has a preference. A lot, of, a lot of football news going on. There is. I mean, there's always a lot of football news going on. Brom, the Brahms are down in Florida. Nice vacation. A little recruiting trip right now going on. Unbelievable. There. You know what I'd do to be in Florida right now? Going there next month. It's uh, it's lucky ass. 
Yeah, it's a it's an attractive destination right now for sure. <laughs> I enjoy seeing the sun. It'll be a night. <laughs> it is the sunshine state. Little vitamin D. Little, little dose of uh, sunlight. Texas is Grant McCaslin candidate. I know he lost last night, but he's won everywhere that he's been. We talked about Grant McCaslin yesterday because there's all this. Everyone was joking about the fact that hey, Texas Tech is leading the the Big Twelve, but it's his first year, so it doesn't really count. It's a tough break for him. <laughs> he's um, on our list. He's on our list. He was he was a coaching candidate the other day for sure. He, he they they lost on the road to TCU. They were actually an underdog in that game. People were talking about the, the, all the upsets last night. TCU took down Texas Tech. I'm like they were like a four and a half point favorite. Um, but he, I mean McCaslin, great run at North Texas. They played a fun style there. I mean like, defensive heavy for sure. Um, I don't know if that would translate, but that's he's only he, I think he was at uh, let's see he was at somewhere else for once Arkansas State for one season. And they were good there by their standards. So it's like this is his first year with power conference experience. So it's not like you have a ton of track record to go off of. But he's having success right off the bat for sure. He clearly knows what he's doing. Uh, I wouldn't hate it. You could make worse choices. There's no question about it. <laughs> uh, let's do our coaching can of the day. How about that? Come on. Who was it yesterday? We, we had uh, – oh, Bryce Drew. Yeah. Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon may be somebody in the tournament. They're, they, I know they've been good Upset a lot. Pick? I know they've been good a lot recently, but they are – like. This is the best team that they've had. They've had some really good ones in recent years. They uh, had one of the kids from Last Chance U, remember? Did they? Yeah, one of the kids from from there went to Grand Canyon. I don't remember that. It was the big lazy guy. I thought he went to Long Beach State. There was one that went to Long Beach State, yeah. I don't remember the one that went to Grand Canyon. Sidney Curry's there. They've had Aiden and Gahan. They, they're good this year, for sure. Where, I was thinking about a Gahan last night. Where's he at? He went to Grand Canyon, and he's, he's done. Out of eligibility. He's not playing anywhere? Probably back in Ireland. If I had to guess. All right. Uh, give me a number uh, 20 through 100. Uh, 20 was my baseball number, so let's roll with it. Okay. All right. <laughs> we've mentioned this person earlier on the show. John Calipari? No. Very recently, we've mentioned this person. A lot of people say that he's ungettable. Would never leave his program. If I take you back to... The year 2000. <laughs> it was this person's first job, first year as a head coach, at his first job as a head coach. He yep. made a name for himself by knocking off Louisville in the first round of this NCAA tournament. Since then, has not looked back. Louisville got his start. Could Louisville be the final stop for Gonzaga's Mark Few? Oh, curveball. I thought it was going with Tom Izzo. A lot of people are saying... Mark Few, up there in age, he's coached at Gonzaga for 24 years, wants a new challenge, he's never going to get over the hump, he's never going to win the national title at Gonzaga, but he can do it at Louisville. Palpable buzz that Josh Hurd has at least reached out to Mark Few and said, I got to make you say no, and Mark Few has not said no. He's on the list. Mark Few, Bryce Drew, back-to-back days, we're rhyming now. Mark Few's on the list. I like it. It makes the got to make him say no crowd very happy. <laughs> He's the ultimate you got to make him say no candidate, I think. Because besides like Jay Wright and stuff, people are like, oh, they say Mark Few would never leave Gonzaga. I think you got, you have to at least make the call. Got to make him say no. Got to make the call. Josh will make the call. Let's take a break when we come back. Five o'clock hour is up next. We'll get through as many texts as we can. 502-414-1450. Talk about a couple stories. I got a weird story out there for Scoots, which I think you'll enjoy. And some other nonsense. It's the final hour of the Rutherford Show. It's up next here on 1450 The Big X. Fight the 
I just want to like be home the park and then it's like do 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 I want something else. <laughs> kind of uh, has kind of has some meaning for us, huh? Yeah, I, I, yeah, no kidding. That was kind of my thought process. I appreciate that. Well done. Uh, five o'clock hour here of the uh, Wednesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, fourteen fifty ninety six one. The Big X. We got tomorrow. Louisville women's basketball in action. They're back at home taking on Syracuse. That's a big game. Uh, top 25 matchup. 7 o'clock will be the tip-off time. It's not on normal TV. You can watch it streaming on the AC Network Extra, so you can listen to it on our sister station, 970 WGTK. Uh, so we'll have that to talk about. That'll be fun. Go Cards. Good, competent basketball at the KFCM Center for a change. Uh, Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, is here. Trey Ryan uh, from Cluckers is producing the show. Uh, by the way, we were talking about you know, Gil having something on the big TV that that you know you were interested in, but that he wasn't interested in. Mm-hmm. I, I was talking with uh, with Trey. That works both ways, by the way. Trey's brother, Trey. Are you aware that Patrick, by the way, is he has a kind of he's rooming with a rando at at Western Kentucky? How yeah. that worked out? Yeah, yeah, I'm aware. Yeah. So he he told me about the guy a little bit. Do you know how it's going so far? Um, to be honest, I, from what I hear, they don't talk or see each other much. But <laughs> <laughs> so his name is Wilbert. Um, Wilbert, that's right. Wilbert, Wilbert. Yeah. Wilbert. Wil- I, th- I don't know if there's a T on the end. It might just be Wilbert. Wilbert, even Ma- better. I, I I believe that is what it is. Isn't that the pick and, from Charlotte's um, Yeah, I think that. Is, yeah, I think you're right there, Scoots. But uh, he, they're very different. He's a very short um, music major, so they really couldn't be further from each other as far as their interest goes. But I mean. Um, I think he goes home a lot of the weekends, so they don't really talk too much, I don't think. I was just thinking about this because obviously Scoots and Gil have a good working relationship there when it comes to divvying out stuff. But I, I was thinking back to college. And you'll, I thankfully, I went to college when I was doing roommates with my best friend. So we just roomed together freshman and sophomore year. So it worked out pretty easily. But I did have a couple of friends who just had roommate horror stories. And the one that came to mind when Patrick was showing me that he, you know, he's transferring to Western and he got hooked up with a, a, like a random. My buddy Craig, when he was going to UK out of high school, like their their rooming assignments just got screwed up, and so he ended up being on this like wait list. And it was one of those where he just got paired with a random, and it ended up being this like twenty four year old who, you know, again we're eighteen <laughs> at the time, so twenty four is it's a very big difference. Hell yeah, I can buy him beer. And he sees this guy, and he's like, oh god, like, like he's like, he's like you know, so the whole summer we're like, my name, he's gonna come and miss my chemistry set. Like we're just making fun of like how this guy's going to be. And the first day he goes to the UK, I, I'm a date, and he's like texting us, and he's like. Everything that we made fun of this guy for being is exactly who he is. He's like, he shows up. He's like, I'm, I've got all my stuff, you know, the comforter, the posters, like pictures and stuff, set it to a computer to set up. He's like, this guy walks in with just a backpack and nothing else and just sits down. I'm playing Madden and I'm like, hey, man, do you, do you, do you want to play? And he's like, no, I'll just watch you play. And he's like, he's like, every night this guy would, Craig had a girlfriend that he would stay with a lot, I think. But he would, you know, when he's like, we were both there together, he would just watch me play Madden. And he's like, it was the most awkward thing. He wouldn't talk, didn't say anything, would just sit there and watch me play Madden. 
And like college is such a weird time for stuff like that. And if you can avoid those types of situations, do so at all costs. When my my oldest brother, both my brothers are way smarter than I am, uh, but my oldest brother was is much smarter than I am. So he went to Northwestern on like a, a scholarship, very good school. But he got there and you know, he didn't know anybody going to Northwestern. It's a kid from Louisville going to Chicago, and he gets up there and his he walks into his dorm room and there's this dude with like all of these like kind of piercings and just kind of look and he looks right at my brother and just goes. I don't like you. <laughs> and like it's he's five minutes, five seconds into his college experience, and he's already like this guy just looks at me and just goes, "I don't like you." So very quickly, I think he went to like the university and was like, "Can I get a different assignment?" Like I don't know if this is going to work out for me. I think he got a different roommate pretty quickly. I was a uh, my freshman year. I had a random. I lived in a dorm. It was more like an apartment than a dorm, but there was two, so like three bedrooms, and there was two people in each room. Right. Uh-huh. So I liked everybody in my. Dorm, we'll call it a dorm, except for my roommate. Oh, that was really hard. And he would he would do the thing where how am I going to put this PG? He was never really home. He would all he'd spend a lot of time at the library, but he would come home at the most inopportune times and lock himself in our bedroom for I don't know 15, 20, 30 minutes. You can, can't do that. You can only imagine what yeah. he was doing in that time. But and it was always when I needed to get in there. Like I. I Hey, I just need to grab my laptop. Oh, give me a minute. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll come back. Yeah, it was it was brutal. I've been, uh, on the rare occasion that I have, like, lived with people or had roommates, I've been very, very fortunate. But even then, like, even when you're living with, like, somebody who's, it's what, like, you're always going to have stuff. It's always a little bit weird. Yeah. I'm just, I'm glad that I'm out of that period of my life forever, hopefully, because it's, it's awkward at times. And then you yeah. have to bring up, have conversations and stuff. Sure. But I mean, just, it was always a fun part of freshman year when you made friends with guys that, like, came to school not knowing anybody and got paired with randoms. Like, some of them really lucked out. And some of them, I mean, one of our best friends that we, we made very early on was this, like, big classic, like, Chicago bro. Like, yeah. Had a chain was like telling us about Kanye West from the first day, and I remember like the, the like the, the second month of school, or whatever. He's like he, he like runs into our dorm in like a tizzy because he had a friend who was like a his roommate was like a very much of a classic just kind of nerdy guy, and also like not a nice nerdy guy, like just sort of. He's like he's like I'm trying to bring a a bleeping girl home, and Jim's in there watching the bleeping Lion King. What am I supposed? And I was like, this is just. I was, I was like, can I record this? This is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. But uh, bad roommates are, are bad. But thankfully, you and Gil, yeah, no issues. We there. got a good thing going. Yeah. I mean, you guys are watching Survivor together. You're doing the Conk Show call. <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about Louisville uh, lost to Clemson last night, seventy to sixty four. Kenny Payne's post game comments, the coaching rumor, coaching search rumors that are out there right now, the, the fans going at each other's throats over Chris Beard, who may or may not even be interested in the job. All that stuff has happened today. I was thinking about it during the break there. If you had told me ten years ago, like you know, it's twenty fourteen, Louisville's finishing out its its brief run in the AAC, getting ready for its move to the ACC, and, and you know, I said, "Hey, Mike, congrats on still being in your, your late twenties. Enjoy it while you can. It's going to get worse." But also, ten years from now, Louisville is going to have played in the ACC for almost a decade, and there will be two programs, two men's basketball programs that you will have not defeated on the road yet. Who do you think they are? And you'd ask me like rank those teams. I mean, Clemson would have had to have been like 13th or 12th, right? Like, there's no chance. The fact that we still haven't beaten Clemson on the road, because we're talking about, you know, it's it's Clemson on the road last night. I don't care that they're good. For God's sake, you can't take a moral victory out of only losing by six. You realize Rick Pitino couldn't beat Clemson on the road with not great Clemson teams. Chris Mack couldn't beat Clemson on the road. 
So if there is one area where you can say Kenny Payne not doing that much worse than anybody else, a six-point loss to Clemson this year on the road and a 13-point loss to Clemson on the road last year and then beating Clemson at home kind of did what everybody else did against those guys. So I guess there's no shame in that. But when you actually look at the details last night, it's it's hard for me to... She's just trying to get in the truck. Shut that baby up. <laughs> the, the 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 quick summary of kind of my spiel at, at, in the three o'clock hour. I'm not going to just gloss over the fact that they fought last night. They didn't have a point guard. They still managed to end the game on a 33 to 15 run, basically playing six scholarship players uh, and Zan Payne out there. Danilo Jovanovic was playing the five for an extended period of time, and still they managed to, to put themselves in a position where they erased a 24-point second-half deficit and had a chance to win late in the game on the road against a likely NCAA tournament team. Like that's, It's worthy of, uh, of saying kudos, well done. I'm also not going to gloss over the fact that they put themselves in that 24-point deficit. Every second of every game matters, and you can't just highlight the ones where your team did the things that they were supposed to do. We are three-fifths of the way through year two of the Kenny Payne era. The time for patting ourselves on the back and congratulating the guys for doing the bare minimum, which is playing as hard as they can possibly play, or to use Kenny Payne's favorite word, fighting for almost all 40 minutes, has long since gone. Like That's the expectation at a place like Louisville. Hell, it's the expectation at any Division One program. If your team isn't fighting, if your team isn't playing hard all the time, then what are you really doing? It's the bare minimum. And so... I mean, it, Georgia Tech beat North Carolina last night for crying out loud. Damon Stoudemire became, I believe, the third first-year head coach in the history of the ACC to beat both Duke and Carolina in his first year. Guess what? Georgia Tech's coming a little bit. Like, like you know, all these programs that have been down for so long, the ACC the last three years has been a bad league. Not only have we not taken advantage, we've been one of the biggest reasons why the ACC has been so far down. Georgia Tech's going to get better. Stoudemire's bringing in dudes. He knows what he's doing. Like, he's a good coach. Um by the way, weak ass court storming. I didn't see it, but it's, oh, it it's was, Georgia Tech, so I'm not surprised. It was actually executed like I was talking about earlier this week or late last week. How let the teams get off the floor first? That's that's what they did, really. And then everybody stormed the court, and there was like I don't know, twenty two hundred people. Like it, it didn't even fill up half the court. But <laughs> when you look at the obstacles in place for whether it's Kenny Payne getting a year three, God forbid, or it's somebody else coming in here. Virginia's not going anywhere as long as Tony Bennett's there. They're going to be good. Carolina and Duke are both going to get players. They're going to be tough. Surprised Bennett wasn't on that list of coaches we talked about with all those wins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you forget like you know he had he hasn't been a head coach for that long compared to the the other guys that are on that list. He had the short run at Washington State. I mean, he was an assistant in the NBA for a while. Hmm. Um, but you know, Wake Forest. I do think under Steve Forbes, they're taking steps forward. They're not going anywhere as long as he's is the head coach, which. He may not be after this year. I think there's significant buzz that West Virginia is going to come after him. Like Mike Young's a good coach at Virginia Tech. They're going to be competitive. Um, Notre Dame is definitely going to get better with Michael Shrewsbury. So all these teams that right now are sitting there at the bottom of the standings with you, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, I mean, BC has been better the last couple of years. Clemson is has been more consistent under Brad Brownell recently. Surely BC doesn't have a positive things to look forward to, though, right? I mean... Aren't they one of? Aren't they kind of one of those teams that are just stuck in limbo? You would like they're think always so. going to be bad. I mean, I'll, I'll say this: like you know, Earl Grant came in two years ago. They won like thirteen games his first year, and they won sixteen last year. We're, we're basically a five hundred team, and right now they're thirteen and eight. 
So they're taking steps forward every single year. But I, I think you're right. I think there is a ceiling. There's a cap to how much they can improve. Like BC is probably never going to get back to to where it was a couple of times, like the Jared Dudley years where they're competing for conference championships and stuff like that. It would take a lot. But these programs that have been down, like Syracuse isn't going to stay down forever. NC State eventually is going to take a, you would think, a sizable step forward. Um, Miami, as long as Larinaga is there, is going to be good. Florida State, as long as Leonard Hamilton's there, is going to be tough for us to beat. He always has been. So, while we may get better in the next couple of years with the, with the right hire, bringing in the right type of talent, the task at hand is going to get tougher. Like, we should have been feasting on these these last couple of years, and instead we're sitting here alone in last place yet again at 1-9 and nine in the conference and 6-15 and 15 overall. So, yeah, we're going to get better moving forward. Everyone else is going to get better too, I feel like. So, it's whoever comes in here, it's not like they're just going to snap their fingers and, and we're going to be back to being a top five team in the ACC, it's going to take some work because everyone else is going to start improving as well. But last night, 70-64, to 64, the final score. Kenny Payne coming out after the game and saying, like, basically, I can't criticize the guys because they fought so hard and all this stuff. And uh, I agree with him praising the effort level. I don't agree with him just saying the loss doesn't matter because they, they fought hard. Like, you dug yourself in a 24-point hole because you were playing selfish offensive basketball. And... and the fact that you it's great that you out rebounded them by 19 offensive rebound edge was 21 to 4 you didn't take advantage every stat says if you have those types of numbers you should win the game what was the guy who texted in said if you play the worst offense in college basketball right now that offense wins last night's game by 11 based on the second chance opportunities we lost by 6 and it took a crazy flurry at the end of the game to even make it a single digit game so it's the same conversation we've had after every win. It feels after every loss. It feels like they fell behind by a lot. They fought back um, admirably, and then ultimately lost. Now I think the conversation does shift a little bit as we turn the calendar to February because you're playing teams that are worse. Mm-hmm. We just had a three week run where we basically played all of the teams in the top six of the conference with Virginia, Carolina, Duke, NC State, Wake, and Clemson. Now. We play FSU next game, who is technically, I think, what tied for third with a six and three record, but it's just they were awful in the non-conference. They're still not that great of a team, and we play them at home. Then you get Q's, then you get Georgia Tech, then you get Boston College, then you get Pitt, then you get Notre Dame. If we're ever going to quote unquote make a run, which for us is going like two and four over a six-game <laughs> stretch, it's going to happen over these next three weeks. Yeah. And I would like to, as down as I am on everything surrounding the program, and as much as I'm ready for the uh, change, I am still rooting for the players because my, they, they do play hard. There's no question about it. Like, that's not just rhetoric from Kenny Payne. They've been playing hard. They clearly still are invested in making this as successful as it possibly can be this, you know, this winter. And because of that, I want to see them win a few games. Like They've earned that right to, get a, to celebrate a win over you know, Syracuse in a couple of weeks or over Georgia Tech or BC or Notre Dame or whoever it is. And and I do think they're going to get a couple of these because they've they've played hard. They haven't always, I mean, they've rarely played well, but they they do enough things right to where I think you can play a, a BC team at home or a Notre Dame team at home and come away with a victory playing the same type of basketball that you've played against some of these better teams the last few weeks. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. The Thornton's text line. Take a couple texts from you guys. I've got a story that I'm going to get to with with Scoots here in a second, but we'll end this uh, this segment with some texts. Because we got a lot. Texture says, I can't even get myself into committing to a candidate for head coach because resumes are built in March in this sport. 
So, for example, say Porter Moser takes Oklahoma to a Sweet 16 or better, you wouldn't want to consider a guy who now has three seasons where he reached two Sweet 16s and a Final Four at non-basketball powerhouses. It's a good point. I mean, mm-hmm. we're sitting here debating the merits of all these guys right now, and yeah, we are. Th- th- there is some recency effect where it's like Musselman's not as, as attractive as a candidate. Mick Cronin's not attractive as attractive as a candidate. Who's to say that somebody who looks like kind of like, eh, you know, I'm not sure about this guy, if they go to an Elite Eight, all of a sudden we're like, damn, why are we not talking more? Yeah. Let, let's say Lamont Paris does take South Carolina to an Elite Eight. It's like, okay, why are we not going after this guy? He knows what he's doing. If you can go to a, a an Elite Eight at South Carolina and have it not be kind of a fluky one like the one they had when they were a seven seed, like you can probably do some pretty good things at Louisville. Like, I think it's a, it's a fair point. College basketball is it's all about the tournament at the end of the day, and I mean maybe we maybe like the the Porter Moser example is a perfect one. Yeah, I mean his track record at Oklahoma right now is like eh, it's, it's it's okay. You know he won it, went to a Final Four at Loyola Chicago, but we've seen some fluky Final Four runs from some mid majors over the years, and it hasn't necessarily been indicative of of just ridiculously great coaching prowess. But if they have the goods this year. It's pretty strong evidence that the guy knows what he's doing. Texture says, Mike, I was talking to my wife about your show. I showed her a picture of you, and she mentioned that you look like a normal guy. <laughs> I then went on to talk about your current co-host's lesbian story and the prior co-host. She is now questioning your selection skills. What should I tell her so she regains trust in the show? <laughs> I mean, one, I didn't have any choice over either one of you. But Scoots, is a, you're a normal guy. I'm a normal guy. I just got some crazy stories. I mean, there was a one of my favorite texts in the show was when 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 TK was unveiling the history of the the, the ex girlfriend who called him and asked if he knew anybody or would be interested in himself in helping to dig up the corpse of her mm-hmm. deceased new lover who was a professor. And he's like talking about this and all the crazy stuff. There was somebody who was like, <laughs> who was like, I can't get over this, like. Mike is a guy who goes home to his wife and his two kids and does like normal dad stuff. And he's doing this show and having these conversations with a guy who dated somebody who asked him to dig up a corpse a few years later. Like, this is the funniest thing in the entire world. I'm like, yeah, it was, I, I've never had an ex, ex-girlfriend who's asked me to do something similar. I think it just comes with the territory. Something about being a producer for a radio just, just means you got some good stories. The lesbian thing is, it, it is strange. <laughs> it, it's... I don't know anybody who's been in that, that that same situation. I don't know. It's I call that lucky. It's odd, for sure. <laughs> it, 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 unique, maybe is the right word. <laughs> Texas says not having a point guard or even a decent ACC caliber guard for the past two freaking years is the issue. Yeah, I mean, I still think Sky Clark in the right system can be a good point. Like, like he does things every now and then where you're like, I can see why he was a five-star kid coming out of high school. Like, the shot is here and there. I think a lot of that is shot selection. When he gets into a flow and kind of steps into a shot and he's, he can catch and shoot, Like I think he hits it a, a better clip than when he's falling off balance and, and forcing some things early in the shot clock. The decision-making is still not very good. Some of that's coaching. Some of that's obviously on the player. He gets into the lane fairly effectively. It's just a matter of making the right choice once you get there, which is the issue for a lot of really dynamic Division One point guards, especially ones that are still just sophomores in college. I think that his two-point shooting percentage is atrocious. He's shooting like 35 point whatever percent from inside the arc, which is just not Sheesh. nearly good enough as a guard. 
And a lot of these are just floaters that he's just short arming and just not getting the basket. He doesn't finish well in transition. Like that part of his game has to get better, or he has to get better at recognizing when he can dish off to a big man to, for like an easy flush or a kick back to the perimeter to an open shooter. Like he's got the skills necessary to be a good ACC level point guard. He just needs some proper instruction. I think I, I feel confident in saying that. I hate playing the what if game, but. I would have really liked to see how the game played out last night had Tyler Johnson been healthy, had he been able to go. It may have made a difference, for sure. I mean, but, but the thing is, we made the huge comeback when we didn't have the point guard. Yeah, It's not like they were rolling until Sky Clark got hurt, and then Clemson went on a big run and was able to narrowly pull off the victory. Like, when when Sky got hurt, we were in the we had just started the big run, but like without him, Zan Payne was plus 16 last night. He did some nice things. Three he, points, four rebounds. I did a steal. Love, I did love him too, trying to argue with the ref that he caused the tie up at the end. When he like, he's like, he's like, what? And then he like, he's like apologizing to the ref. I was like, go get him, Zan. He fouled out uh, PJ Hall, potentially the ACC Player of the Year. Got his fifth foul because Zan Paul, Zan Payne drew it. Didn't even, didn't even turn the ball over. I was ready for Zan to pop a three at one point. I was like, <laughs> let's let's do it. I did say the last game that if Zan Payne dunks in a game, it's Quidditch rules apply. It's like catching the golden snake. Like the game stops, you win. <laughs> That's my one Harry Potter reference for the day. I've, I've never read any Harry Potter, but I do know that's how Quidditch works. Have you watched the movies? I went to one of them in the theater. Like It was like one of the middle, so I had no idea what was going on. You've like, only seen one of them? Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces. My wife used to put them on when they would do like the, the marathons. Which one on. did you see? I, I know I've seen bits and pieces of the very first one. Oh, it's the worst one. Well, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. But like when I was, I have seen the Quidditch scene before. It's such a flawed game. Like, you know, all this crazy stuff going on. And then if you just, why would you not just have one designated person that only goes after the the golden snitch? You do. Well, like, per, that's precisely how it Why works. wouldn't you just not care about any other element of the game and just say, we're going to go, you do whatever you want for the rest of the time. Score as many points as you want. We're all just going to try to get the golden snitch. Well, you try to get as many points as you can before the golden snitch is caught. That way, in case, say your team, because I think it's worth like 150 points. So if your team has 120 and then the other team's seeker catches their snitch, they win. Well, I thought it was just – I thought if you caught the snitch, that was, it, score didn't matter. Everything ended. No, the score adds, oh, adds okay. to the score well, you already have. Oh, well, I changed, my, I changed my, my stance a little bit. Yeah, no, the, the seeker – I still think it's a ridiculously set up I game. love – I think – I wish we had something similar in, like in, a, in a sport we have. Would you LARP Quidditch like at uh, Cherokee Park? Oh, I'd, I would love to play some Quidditch. <laughs> have you ever seen some of those people? Like when you walk around – we used to walk around Cherokee Park a decent amount – and in, the, in one of the big fields, kind of before you walk up Dog Hill, mm-hmm. there are always people LARPing. And I'm just so fascinated What, is, what does that mean? It's when you, like, they, they, I use the word nerds. It's when, like, nerds, like, they, they're they playing, pretend. Like, they're, like they're, cosplay. They're, yeah, exactly. Like, they're getting into costumes and they're doing, like, they're, like, fighting with, with weapons and stuff. I don't know what's going on. I've never LARPed myself. But <laughs> Me neither. It, it, they're so committed. And you walk by and you're like, oh, my God, th- this is really happening. This is incredible. I want to know so much more. I'm so intrigued by it all. Uh, Texture says, I have two and a half questions. Perfect. One, is there still a possibility that UofL might move to the Big 12? It keeps popping up on my Twitter feed. Sure, of course there is. Two, would KP's cape and skates be color-coordinated? Two and a half, would there be any other embellishments, spangles, velvet, etc.? Not necessarily color-coordinated. I think that you would have to have glitter on both. I would want that to happen. And then maybe some sort of sunglass situation, also with glitter, is what I would say. On that note, let's take our last break. When we come back, we'll get, run through as many of these texts as we can. We'll look ahead to the night that will be in sports. It's another nice night of college basketball. should be fun. We'll make some predictions. Big X, big bets. Here with Mike Rutherford and Justin Kalen. 
on the Rutherford Show on 1450 The Big X. Matt Dennison here inviting you to join me weekdays at 11. As I'm pacing the pews in a church corridor And I can't help but to hear No, I can't help but to hear In exchanging of words What a beautiful wedding What a beautiful wedding Is there a theme here or is it just all around the same? Yeah, skateboard scoots I like it, I'm good with it I chime in Jeff Cutter Shores, that was what happened Say it again Was it edited or not edited? Was that why I had to cut short? Right there? Yeah No, it was have I a rookie. Have just have a rookie producing. Okay. I chime in with the heavens you people ever heard of. <laughs> you, you have to wait to the end of the Close show to hear that part. Door, no. <laughs> I do like I just like saying that part. It's very fun. It's, it's such a hard left turn there. Scoots, uh speaking of hard left turns here, have you ever been to a cockfight? Uh, no. I didn't realize I that I wouldn't wouldn't be opposed though. Really? You don't you, you're not morally opposed to cockfighting. No. You know it's illegal. It is illegal, yeah. It, it is. But, I mean, if I could gamble on it, I'm in. Okay, well, that's that's terrible. <laughs> they don't die, do they? Do they kill each other? Yes! That's the whole they thing. They fight to the death? Yes! Okay, maybe I wouldn't be well, okay I mean, you, ha- you do have a history of killing birds and not, <laughs> not feeling apologetic about it. We know that on the show. Uh, John Bold of Wave 3. You never want to be the subject of a John Bold no, you don't. investigative story. His latest troubleshooters investigation has gone into the world of cockfighting in the state of Kentucky. Really? I so I knew a couple people who so cockfighting is legal I guess in Puerto Rico, and when the Louisville basketball team did that, that that exhibition tour in Puerto Rico a few years ago, I knew of a couple people who like who went. They're like it's we asked like what fun things that people do around town. They like told us and that like, was one of the recommendations. Yeah, and, and one of the guys was like I don't know what I was expecting, but he's like I was like trauma. I, he's like I left midway through like like ten minutes into it because I was so horrified by what was going on. He's like I thought maybe I can get into this. Like it's it's part of another culture. And then I was like, technically it's still art. It's American culture. But he was like, I, I just, I didn't have the heart for it. I couldn't stay. It couldn't sit there. But according to Bull, in 2001, under undercover investigators with the Humane Society of the United States who had hidden cameras flew in to take him to Williamsburg to expose how local and state police were refusing to do anything about large, well-publicized illegal cockfights. They ran a story then, 2001. Not only did nothing change, it actually got worse. In 2010, an undercover video at a cockfight in Manchester, Kentucky, showed four law enforcement officers present, including a state trooper. Politicians also, no different than the police. In 2014, Bull recorded then-U.S. Senate candidate Matt Bevan at a Corbin rally to legalize cockfighting, openly supporting it and saying that uh, it's part of the heritage of the state. And in my opinion, making it illegal is a bad idea that he will not support. So... Bull, another investigation. They've had these drones that have been flying over McCreary County and other counties, uh, and apparently cockfighting out of control <laughs> in the state of Kentucky. You got big, uh, you, you have places with like 50 cars parked. Everyone knows what's going on. Law enforcement's involved. State police, uh, police commissioners just aren't talking about it. They're saying that they've got employees that are going to cockfighting events, but they're not really admitting it. Just cockfighting. There are 15 to 20 arenas. 
that apparently are just out of control. Arenas. In the state of Kentucky. Arenas. <laughs> Little Jerry Seinfeld fighting all over the place. Cockfighting's out of control. It's These, interesting. This is my favorite quote. These people are addicts. They are, in many cases, addicted to drugs, addicted to betting, addicted to the killing, the animal abuse, the blood sport of it. They are addicted. Addicted to cock fighting. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think I could do it. It's gross. Yeah, if they're fighting to the death and there's that much blood, yeah, I think I'm out. Look, when it comes to animals and stuff, I, I'm soft as hell. I, I fully admit it. Like, I, I have no moral issue with with standard hunting like i have friends that are hunters and yeah it provides for your family exactly and and a lot of times you have animals that are overpopulated it's why you have deer season and other seasons and stuff i just i don't think i could do it like you know staring through a rifle and seeing like a deer and just just okay again i understand i've got friends that do it i'm not morally opposed to it i just don't i'm too soft for it i used to be a big time hunter we i still i was probably squirrel hunting with my dad when i was like 10 and we i loved it but the one thing that drove me away from hunting, I haven't probably haven't hunted in five, six years now, but the one thing that drove me away is A, field dressing, and then B, just how cold it is. I, like deer season specifically, I'm not going to go out there and freeze my ass off for four or five hours in hopes that a deer walks by. Yeah. It's just, that's not my idea of fun. So I, well, my best friend married into a, a family of like big hunters. They're all like, they're Michigan men. Mm-hmm. And so they do like the heavy duty hunting. And he always sends us a picture of like himself, like with all the gear on. He's like, He's like, I am ready to kill something, but he's not actually licensed to do it. So he just, so basically, he just like sits there. But he's like, oh my god, it's the most boring thing in the entire world. Is, like you yeah. just, you sit in the little hut for like hours and hours and hours, and there's just no action whatsoever. Interestingly enough, I, that's how I used to feel about fishing. But anymore, I I'm, like fishing. I'm, yeah, I like fishing too because I mean, you're at least getting action every every now and then. Hopefully, <laughs> somebody just messaged me on Instagram. I don't have a post up or anything. But the message just said, thanks for everything you do. I hate KP with no punctuation. <laughs> just made, made me laugh. <laughs> I just like popped up like, notification. Thanks for everything you do. I hate KP. <laughs> very, very funny. I enjoy that. Thanks for voicing your concerns. Yeah. I also, sent, I, I just checked out the actual message. Sent me a, a list of the Louisville basketball team at one point in the 1919-20 season uh, had uh, had no coach. We actually had no coach in from 1912 to 1915. And we went eight and fourteen over that time, so we were better with no coach nice. than we've been with Kenny Payne. I the think last that would probably be the case with this team as well. We've had this we've had this discussion on the show before, where it's like if you just took the coaching staff away, do we think they'd be better? I do. Early in the season, I absolutely was like, yeah, they they can't be any worse. They're gonna. I mean, they'd play more loose, like they played their whole life. You know, maybe there's something to it. Uh, we got a lot of texts to get to. We'll try to get to as many as we can. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. I have not reminded you today yet about the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards Program. Become a member today. It's very easy to do. Just download the app on your phone, and then you can use it to save money at the pump or money inside. Anytime you stop in one of these areas, 65,266 Thornton's locations. There's that many of them for a reason. They know what they're doing. Texter says, so what names are you hearing for the men's basketball coach next year? <laughs> um. I, I did love the other day, like when, who's the other guy that we're training for production? What's his name? Keith. Keith. Mm-hmm. We're talking about like you were in the other room, so I assume he couldn't listen to the show. Like he was, you're kind of showing him the ropes. Yeah. And I was talking about how we we're having a discussion about like we talking about sports for three hours, and then you like on the weekends in your free time, people are coming up and they're like, you know, hey, what's the deal with you? Excited for Jeff Brom or like, you know, do you think they're going to fire KP? And I'm like, I'm fine with talking about like. The Reds and the Lions, because I don't get a chance to do it. But when you talk about it all day, every day for work, 
it, it's kind of it's it's like oh yeah I guess we'll do it. Like literally the break after that segment, Keith came in and he goes he's like so do you think they're gonna fire Kenny Payne? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think so. We'll see what happens over the next Should've few weeks. Just hit him with the Keith. I don't want to talk about it. Because <laughs> uh, it, it was the same day that you were talking about the guy at your hotel job. Who Damn was, Nolan. And you you were like, I'm just going to pull up the podcast and like, hit play right in his face. <laughs> just This is what I think about it all. All right. Uh, text line. Texture says, when I was at Ballard, the baseball coach yelled at me for drinking water while working out. He was a huge a-hole. I think he was an assistant attorney at some point. I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> he was. I liked it. He, he was a... I enjoyed him as a coach. A lot of people didn't. I think it was mainly just because he liked me. It's one of those situations where you're like, ah, I would probably hate him if he didn't play favorites with me. And I did have friends that played at Ballard who, at that time who were like, yeah, not the biggest fan of the world. <laughs> I also, like that guy, I accidentally, this will make you happy, Texter. I accidentally drilled that guy in the face with a baseball bat. We with were a like, bat? Yeah. Like, I felt terrible about it. Like we were, we were doing like inside hitting drills during the winter and I was doing like T work. And unbeknownst to me, like I, I just finished a rep and he like put his head over my right shoulder and I cocked the bat back to like prepare for my next rep and just clocked him in the face. That sounds like it's on him. <laughs> it, it is on like I had no idea he was there. Like he, he was he was gonna show me something, but like he was like dazed and I was like, Oh my god. I, was, I felt I was like, Did I just kill this guy? But I remember that was for you, Texter. I remember we had an assistant that I didn't much care for either. And I'll never forget my junior year. Before we we were at the field taking batting practice before we had to travel to our, for our sectional game, uh-huh. and he was doing the warm up pitching, and I drilled him in the face with a line drive. Uh-huh. Like he he was on the ground, and he didn't. I don't think he even come ended up coming to the game. That sucks. Yeah, I, I felt bad. That sucks. But at the same time, I was like, hmm. that just says karma. That, that makes me feel better considering I saw him throw a bat at a kid. Well, that, that, <laughs> there you go. I think the reason he always liked me is I played it when he was. Before he became one of the Trinity assistants, like he he coached a team at like St. Matthews when I was playing rec league and AAU at the same time, and I hit like two home runs and and threw a complete game shutout against his team. This is when like I matured very early. I was like as good at fourteen as I was at eighteen. So, so I think he thought I was going to be like this superstar, and so he really liked me when he came to Trinity as an assistant. But uh, yeah, he definitely he was he had moments where I was like, hey, I'm not not so sure. Do you ever have a coach that just hated you for no reason, and you just you knew it? And everybody kind of knew it, but I was like, I did nothing to this person. No, not I had really. One of those coaches. I mean, I had I had teachers in school like that. Oh, same, same. but not never a coach. No, I had a coach. I always worked my butt off. I had an assistant who I like. I don't even remember. I don't even know who this guy was or why he was helping out. But he like he very obviously just didn't like me. And there was one drill we were doing practicing where like it was like a comebacker drill. Like you were you were practicing like pitching, being in your your follow through position. And like fielding and like throwing to first and like stepping through. It was like a simple drill. And he would like hit little choppers to everybody. And he was just like lacing the heart. Like it got to a point where like everybody was noticing that he was hitting it way harder at me than <laughs> anybody else. And they were like, this is hilarious. I was like, it's hilarious until I just take, take one off the face. Uh, but yeah, it was, the guy was an a-hole. Texas says, you know, if you really think about it, with all these second half victories that we've had, we're basically a 500 team. We win half of every game. That's a good way to look at it. Why not? Put the banner up. Yeah. Texture says, uh, why aren't well-performing non-major D1 school coaches being considered, but it's acceptable to hire Payne when he had zero experience as a head coach on any level? The Indiana State coach has revived that program and is going to take them to the Sweet 16 come March. First of all, that's quite the prediction. But they are fun as hell. Um, they're big guy. Have you watched um, Robbie Avila play? 
I haven't. No, he looks. He like, gets all the hype though. So, so he's he's a big guy. He like, there's nothing about his body that's like defined. He wears the rec specs. Mm-hmm. He looks like like the the guy that just tears it up in inter- intramurals at college. That you're like, how's that guy any good? Like he's but he's got the perfect form. He's he's incredibly fun to watch, and he looks like the biggest nerd of all time. <laughs> but there, uh, who the coach Joe? I don't even know his name. Josh Shirts. I don't know anything about Josh Shirts. It's his third year at Indiana State. He's taken them from they were eleven and twenty in his first season. They won twenty three games last year. They're eighteen and three right now. And they're doing it in a league where it's not easy to take that jump to the next level in the Missouri Valley. And NES State's been they've been kind of the worst program in the Missouri Valley or one of the worst programs for the last 15, 20 years. Like that's a hell of an accomplishment for yeah. sure. Like that, you know, they played their only losses this season are to Alabama, Michigan State, and then a road loss to Drake is the only conference loss. So that's awfully impressive. But they are fun to watch. Well, and, and that's just one example. I yeah. mean, there's there's thousands of those guys out there that or I shouldn't say thousands, hundreds. I mean, look at Drake's coach, for example. I mean, he's he's another good example. I don't know anything about him, but I mean, he's he's had success at the mid major level. Darian DeVries. I'm I'm still convinced that we there's a good shot we haven't named who it's going to be. It's possible. I mean, the, the thing that sucks is like you never know who can get it done and who can't. Like there yeah. are guys at that level right now that if they did just get that opportunity, there there are guys who would have been some of the greatest power conference coaches of all time that just never got that shot because they didn't have that March moment or just didn't have the, the right connection. And you like you know that, but it's just it's so hard to find those guys and, and figure out, sort the good from the bad. And a lot of times we do try to oversimplify it. I mean, think about how many times you, you have a coach that just gets hot at the right time. You, you have a coach that finishes fourth in their conference but wins the conference tournament, gets in as a 15 seed, wins a game in the NCAA tournament, and boom, those two weeks out of, Years and years and years of coaching are what get them that job at a power conference or at a mid-major school. Or just a I step mean, look forward. at the Fairleigh Dickinson coach yeah, last year. They didn't even win their conference. Right. They, they 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 finished second in their conference. They lost their conference tournament. Like, there's no reason to you know. Why would you go out and hire the second best coach in the Northeast Conference? But because of that stupid rule that kept Mary Mack out of the NCAA tournament, they beat Purdue. They were competitive in the second round against Florida Atlantic, and bam! All of a sudden, he's on all the hot boards. Like, it's just where did he end up going? Uh, didn't he take? Didn't he jump to Iona? Was it I? Yeah, I think it was Iona. I think you're right on that. Um, what's his name? Uh, Tobin Anderson. Yeah, there you go. And I think yeah, he took the Iona job after Rick left. It was yeah, and, and Iona's a great mid-major job. Yeah, it's they, they're always in the NCAA tournament. He's nine and ten right now, by the way. Texture says, um, Mike, why are you saying Rick Pitino is seventh and wins, but claim that you all have three national titles? If you had three, Pitino wouldn't be seventh. Uh, we did well. I, I did say right at the beginning. If you count the non-vacated wins, Patino's got 849, and Calipari's got 843. So we did say that. Texas, unfortunately, yes, Scoots. We do have an idea of what you might be do- of what you might be in Florida right now. Hmm? Yeah, this is poorly worded text. I think they were trying to take a shot at you. But suck it, Texter. <laughs> Try better next time. Texture says, I have no idea who Bring Brom Home is, but it would not be hard for Ramsey to get someone to set up a bot to automatically reply with Mick is the pick every time certain people tweet. Again, you're giving... John Ramsey would not be that motivated to to ever do that. Like, I'm sorry. Like, he just, he does not care that much. I, I mean, should we get him on the phone and ask him who he wants here? He's is that to, what we're going to have to do? He's talking about it. He's like, he's like, I know I've been tagged and so people think it's me. It's like, I, he's like, I don't even know what that guy's doing. Um... 
I know John, like Jeff, I have no idea what John's feelings are about Mick Cronin. I don't think there's any prior relationship there. Like, he's not one of those guys that was, like, in John's inner circle. I don't, yeah, I've got no idea. I just don't think John cares enough at all about this sort of thing. Honestly. Texture says, all these people yelling about Beard and Muss and not realizing that it's Kelvin Sampson. I love that the (laughs) Kelvin Sampson guy only texts in the 5 o'clock hour. What about Kelvin Sampson? Would you like Kelvin Sampson? If we get Kelvin Sampson, I'm going to throw a parade. Oh, man. He won't even have to coach a game here. I'll be like, Derby Grand Marshal. Boom. Get him in there. And Indiana fans will cry. Oh, yeah. Me included. Texas says, Mike, are you even there today? I'm pretty sure Scoots is just inserting a different team name into old audio. I'm going to need some proof of life. It does feel like we do the same show pretty <laughs> after like every Wednesday post game. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's a good text. There's a lot of repetitive talk. For it's sure. actually Tuesday's show. This, I mean, I wonder if we could get away with that. <laughs> if we just, if one day I just like didn't say the day, and then we played the same show the next day, if we could just, just get away with that. Texas says uh, Ramsey to Mike. Uh, it's, the, it's the Vince McMahon. It's me, Austin. It was me all along. It's one of the greatest moments of all time. Texas says I can't even get myself. I've uh, that. Texas Quidditch is very dumb. Obviously made up by a person who never played sports. It's got good sports principles in it, though. Doesn't? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if if it was a real thing and we could like fly on brooms and stuff, I think I think you'd enjoy it. Well, yeah, I would like to just fly on a broom. Period. Yeah, same. Texas Aiden Gahan is actually at Abilene Christian. Is he? Good for him. Well, not good for him. He's averaging three points and two point eight rebounds. Better than zero and zero. True. <laughs> God, how is he not? I mean. We went from chanting this this guy's name at Louisville Live. He's like the must-have recruit and going nuts when we got him. I mean, Chris Mack flew to Ireland to basically secure his, his, his scholarship, his commitment, and fast forward five years and he can't even get on the floor for – he's played – he scored no points in the last two games for an Abilene Christian team that's 8-12 and 12 and 8th in the whack. That's whack. God. And the weird thing was, like, you knew he was raw – but like he showed some skills when he was here every now and then. Like he, he's a gigantic hulk of a dude who could seem super athletic. He could definitely run the floor, block, catch the ball, and dunk. And while that might not be enough to be a, a, a good role player at a place like Louisville, I thought it would definitely be enough to be like a a quality big at the low major, mid-major level, and he's yeah. not even good enough to get on the floor at one of the, the worst teams in the entire Division One. That's it's it's surprising to me. I don't know what's going on there. I used to get, when, when we wouldn't play him, I would get messages from all these people in Ireland, like these news reporters who are like, he's like, do you, th- do you think he can still make the NBA? I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, you see, they're like, like, we see that he's not playing very much. I'm like, well, you know, we've got some some older guys that are playing the same position. He's going to come along slowly. He's showing some signs. And they're like, do you think that the NBA is still a realistic possibility? And I'm like, eh, you know. <laughs> Should have just hit him back and been like, I'd put my uh, fanhood back into Conor McGregor. <laughs> if, if he's not a lottery pick. I'll come live in Ireland for the rest of my life. That'd be great. Ireland's awesome. Texas says, considering both of his tenures ended in disgrace, who did you think Bob Bob Huggins will be rooting for in the Cincy WV matchup tonight? It'll be the first ever matchup without him coaching either team. It's kind of crazy. Really? Uh, probably Cincinnati. Yeah, I feel like he probably for sure. I think I don't. I, I'm sure he feels like he got a raw deal at West Virginia. I don't know how he possibly can when I. I think 75% of schools would have fired him after the the slurs on the radio scandal and they gave him a second chance and he still got drunk and embarrassed himself just a few months later. 
Texas, considering your diehard fandom of DePaul, what do you think of Steve Lapis's idea of hiring Bob Huggins? Ooh. I do like the Blue Demon Degenerate saying Bob Huggins famous for his love of Catholics. That's what got him in trouble the first time. Uh, I don't think it would go great. <laughs> I don't think anybody's hiring Bob Huggins anytime soon. Could be wrong. I don't think so. Texas says, I give you bleep because I like you, Mike. I miss the old Ramsey and Rutherford days. Don't take what I say personally. I don't. I never do. I love your show. Love you too, Chris the Plumber. Texas, uh, Chris says, my deer stand on my farm has four walls, a roof, and a heater, and a urinal. Hunt comfortable, my friends. That's the way to hunt. No, I mean, my dad has the same thing. We got a, he's got a hunting stand that we call it the Taj Mahal. It's freaking sweet, but I'm still not going to do it. It's still cold, even if you got your space heater. Yeah. And it's boring. It's not as warm as inside. It's just boring. No sports on there. <laughs> Texas, I, I love scoots. I can't read the second part, but just say I love scoots. Texas, that makes me, uh, uh, Texas, if Kenny hired the doctors, then yeah, our doctors suck. I don't know what's going on with the whole. Kenny wouldn't hire the doctors, though, right? That's, I don't think he has control over yeah, that. Yeah, that'd be a school thing. Although, am I willing to put the blame on him for everything? Yeah, sure. sure why not? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's Kenny's fault. Why not? Blame KP. Texas, speaking of wrestling earlier, <laughs> my imagination keeps running to the idea that a certain someone who's gone rogue uh, for their disappearance to all be part of some wrestling-esque plot where they pull vault over the top of the radio station and come crashing down to the ceiling like Sting or something. Uh, I wish that was true. I, w- I wish that was exactly what was happening right now. It would be a-, a lot more fun than the reality. Texas, the worst national titer, title winner in your life, Mike. Not a UConn miracle team. I don't know what that's in reference to. I mean, UConn 2014 is the worst national title winner in our life. It's not close. Who's the second worst? I mean, maybe UConn 2011. <laughs> Syracuse 2003 with Carmelo. Like, they weren't great. They don't check a lot of the boxes. Um, Loved Melo when he was in college. It was a fun year of basketball, for sure. I enjoyed watching them play. I was surprised they won the national title. Um, I still don't think the, the the Duke team in 2010 was any good. I know if they were one seed, it feels like a weird example to give, but they were just so average. I still think Louisville could have beaten them if they'd gotten past Cal in the first round. Texas, you forgot to mention that Tom Izzo turned 69 yesterday. Giggity. I said it twice. Happy, I didn't know it was 69, though. Happy birthday. Hey, Texas LARP equals uh, live action role play. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't LARPed. Nope. Not a LARPer. I can't wait till the next time I go by Cherokee. I'm like, is that, is that Scoots? <laughs> In a wizard outfit? <laughs> that must be Gil. <laughs> I mean, these people get into it. Oh, yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Texture says that TV girl ratio in Scoots and uh, Gil's apartment is, it's something. <laughs> Four TVs, two dudes, no oh, girls. Four to zero, yeah. TVs are winning. Who has brought more women into that house, you or Gil? Into this house? Into the house that you live in. Oh, we're tied. Tied? Yeah. The fact that you know off the top of your head leads me to believe that's not a high number. It's zero. <laughs> What are you talking about? It's zero. I mean, do my mom and my sister count? Because I might have the edge on them. Now, if I, th- if I throw it back a few years when we were in the apartment. Uh, how long have you lived in the house now? Uh, I guess about a year and a half. Okay, that's not terrible. So we were in the, apart- we were in the apartment, I think, five years. And I want to say it was 1-1. So, okay, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> Developing quite the rivalry. <laughs> Texture says, fishing... Things you don't have to wait for as long as Scoots and Gil's apartment to get some action. That's a perfectly timed text yeah, right there. Perfect, yeah. Oh. Uh, 
Texas, curious of Scoot's thoughts uh, about whether or not Indiana is going to make the NCAA tournament now after last night's win. It depends on the two injuries. I mean, it, it seems like X is going to be out for the year. So if Malik Renew has to miss significant time, then no shot we make the tournament. Is Indiana even on like anybody's bubble list right now? I don't really keep up with it. I don't. I feel like they're firmly on the outside of the NCAA tournament. I think at this point, yeah, that would be the case. Let me look at it real quick with the. We've got bubble watch. It's that time of the year. Mm-hmm. We're getting the bubble watches out there. Um, Indiana is listed as. A lot of Indiana State talk on this. Indiana's not even listed as being on the bubble right now. Oh, there you have it. That's not great. But well, we have plenty of opportunities left. We just have to be healthy and win those games. You do. I mean, you still got another shot at Purdue. Yep. You still uh, – we play Penn State this weekend. We should – Is that who we play this kind of a much, Kind of a must win for you guys. Because uh, Penn State's bad. Is it at home? It is at home. Oh, okay. Then that'll be a win. Saturday. Against Penn State at home. You can hear it right here on 1450 The Big X. And then you go Ohio State, Purdue next week. I feel like you kind of got to win one of those two games on the road. Yep. Probably Ohio State. And then, I mean, the schedule's kind of, it's not terrible for you guys down the stretch, which is good in terms of racking up wins, but not great in terms of being able to get resume victories. By the way, Ken Palm has you beating Penn State and then not winning another game the rest of the year. Seriously? Well, not being favored to win any of these games. All losses. Projects a 17-14 and 14 record for Indiana, 9-11 and 11 in the Big Ten. That would not be good. That'd be tough. That wouldn't be great. Um, why can't I find the last text that's highlighted? I can't. Well, apologies to the last person who texted <laughs> because it's just not showing up for me. Uh, here we go. Last one. Scoots and Gill are the Kenny Payne and Tony Stubblefield of love life. It's a good text. It's a good text. It's true. It's the year of love for both Scoots and Gill. I'm, I'm lumping Gill into this now. It's happening. <laughs> uh, tonight in college basketball, we got a, a number of top 25 teams in action. None of them are taking on a fellow top 25 team, but there are some good games. 7 o'clock uh, on the Big 12 Network, you've got Baylor, who's number 18 in the country, on the road taking on UCF, who's been kind of a giant slayer recently. 3-4 uh, and four in the Big 12. Baylor's 3-3 three and three in the Big 12. Baylor's a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. Scoots, who you like? I'm taking UCF. That's a system bet. They're at home playing a ranked team. They are unranked. You got to take them three and a half, three with the three and a half. I feel like I fall for every baiting Baylor bet that's out there. They've done this to me like three times. I've taken Baylor every time. I'm taking Baylor again. At some point, they're going to win one of these. They're always in position to win, and they just uh, they, they just don't make it happen. Uh, Northwestern's on the road taking on Purdue at 6.30 on the Big Ten Network. Purdue is a 14.5-point favorite. I'm going to say Purdue wins but doesn't cover. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, and the other game of note tonight, well, Florida plays Kentucky, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Kentucky, 7.5-point home favorite. Who wins? 7.5? 7.5. It's went up two points since this morning. 7.5. Who wins this one? I'm going to say Kentucky wins does not cover. The, the One of the sites that I use for gambling, their big bet of the day is Florida first half plus 3.5. I like that. Yeah. I can see them kind of keeping it close. Take Florida first to 10 as well. Yeah, I mean, slow starts for sure. Um, I'm going to say Kentucky wins but doesn't cover. I'm going to say they win by seven. The hook gets you on the bet. My big bet of the day, um, I'm going over to the A-10. Give me Richmond on the road. They're they're, um, one-and-a-half-point favorites over Fordham. Uh, Richmond 7-0 in the A-10. Fordham looking for the upset. Spiders win. Spiders cover. That's the Big X big bet of the night. Enjoy the basketball. Enjoy whatever you got on schedule on tap for your Wednesday. We're back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Go cards. Go spiders.